The following podcast series was recorded between January and December of 2015. Originally hosted on the Horophilia Podcast Network, it has now transitioned to the Podcast Under the Stairs Collective. Myself and Andy Blockley would like to extend our gratitude once again to Jason Lloyd at the Horophilia Podcast Network for giving this podcast an opportunity to stay on that network for a couple of years and accumulate hundreds of downloads and great communication with legions of fans. The next instalment of the Doing the Nasty podcast looking at the DPP third tier movie list will start January 2020. Duncan McLeish will be joined by Mark Ball who will be replacing Andy Blockley on this podcast and will release one episode each month covering two films from the Tier 3 DPP video nasty list. But until that season drops, please enjoy these archives. They were called nasties and they were nasty. Some of the things that we've seen are so horrific. These films not only affect young people, but I believe they affect adults as well. An extravaganza of gory violence, capable of depraving and corrupting those who watched it. I have never seen the video, mister. I wouldn't. I actually don't need to see what I know is in that film. And welcome back to another episode of Doing the Nasty Podcast. This is episode number 13. I am one of your hosts, Duncan McLeish from the podcast Under the Stairs. As always, I'm joined by my co-host with the most, the man behind one half of the big horror and little podcast. It's of course Mr. Andy Blockley. How are you doing, sir? Um, good, thanks mate. I'm uh, looking forward to slagging off Mary Whitehouse in this episode <laughs> and getting the, uh, the prosecuted list wrapped up. Yeah, this is this is for those that haven't been keeping count. I don't know how you haven't been keeping count with a small scorecard marking them off. Episode thirteen uh, basically closes out our look at the prosecuted list of films on the nasty list. Um, it has been a wild ride. We have uh, witnessed some truly gorgeous pieces of cinema. Um, we've also witnessed some abominations and crimes against cinema, uh, one of which we'll be talking about tonight. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's pretty cool that, you know, we've managed to, one, get through the list fairly quick. I mean, you know, I, I think that's the thing about the shows, doing the format we're doing, we're firing through them really quick. But also, yeah. um, like Andy said, as, as, as this run into the film reviews, um, we're also going to talk about someone that has featured... Quite heavily in terms of passing comments, uh, Mary Whitehouse, the, the the woman that you heard at the beginning clip saying, you know, I, I've never seen a nasty, I don't need to, you know, um, basically she was one of the the founding foundations of uh, the movement against um, these videos and basically got them banned. So Andy is going to fill us in with some more details about that. Um, yeah. What films are we covering in this episode, Andy? All right, we've got Tenebrae, oh. The Werewolf and the Yeti, <laughs> and Zombie Flesh Eaters. So it's a bit of a shit sandwich um, where, the, where the bread's made of gold. So we'll, uh, we, we said before as well, the cool thing about it is that um, like, we're dealing with 
what you have said is your favourite Fulci movie and what I've said mm. is my favourite Argento movie. So there's yeah. going to be a lot of passion um, at the start and end of this podcast and a lot of head scratching and bemusement at the, the middle. I, I don't really know. Um, hopefully you have some further information. After watching um, uh, The Werewolf and the Yeti, I don't really know why anyone would panic because it's shite. It's um, <laughs> So, uh, but you have been on holiday since I last spoke to you. You went away for, a, yeah. as the Americans call it, a vacation. Yep, vacation to Spain. Was it nice? It was great. Um, the weather was about 30 degrees Celsius every day. Oh, Jesus. Um, <laughs> which I know you don't like, do you? No. That's not your thing, not your cup of tea. Um, but it's mine. I was loving it. It was great. It's only two hours away as well on a plane from. Uh, from the airport which is only about another half an hour from my house so within like three hours i'm in 30 degree heat which is awesome <laughs> um yeah and it was great just like hanging out on the beach and stuff didn't get didn't get shot on the beach luckily oh um, fine oh yeah that's, uh... that's <laughs> kicking off in tunisia um, it's, it's always a, it's always a good thing when you can come back and see the sentence you know when someone asks you how your holiday was you can say oh the weather was nice didn't get shot in the beach um didn't get, didn't get shot. yeah brilliant didn't get mowed down by a lunatic so yeah. it's good I, the irony of the situation is you're talking about the heat, etc., and stuff like that to do with Spain. I'm I'm going to Spain for the first time, and it'll be about twenty one years. <laughs> I found out that you were going to Spain quite soon after we had a conversation about your dislike for anything higher than about five degrees. Yeah, I'm kind of. So it did make me wa- smile, like you know. You do realise <laughs> it's going to be hot, Duncan. Yeah, well, my my wife picked it. Ultimately, I gave her final say. Um, yeah. we had three destination choices we could either go back to Paris which I was kind of rooting for um, okay. we could do Rome which I was quite interested just because of the, the kind of architecture museums and stuff like that because I'm a bit of a geek when it comes to that no, sort I'd, of stuff I'd, yeah I'd be interested I'd be well up for that looking yeah, on the yeah and obviously to spit on the Pope because <laughs> of course when in Rome <laughs> um, and uh, I just want to stress I, well, I wouldn't spit on the Pope unless he wanted to I'm that sort of guy. I like to please people. Spit at him. I mean, if it hits him. <laughs> him. Not does, on him. <laughs> oh, this podcast is taking a turn. Um, and uh, the, the last one was Barcelona, which I've been to several places in Spain when I was younger. Never been to Barcelona. Um, it's one of these places I've always wanted to go to, though, because, once again, architecture, um, museums, fantastic over there. Really looking forward to that. But my wife booked it for August. And we went online and did a wee bit of research, and apparently the average temperatures are between thirty and thirty-five in August. Even so hotter. I, yeah, I'm, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I've come to the conclusion that my wife is trying to kill me, Andy. I think that's what it is. Yeah. Right. Well, you're gonna have to get change your wardrobe. You can't wear anything black because that's just going to absorb the heat. <sighs> All my stuff's black. Ah, uh, you fuck then, aren't you? Right. Are you one of these people that, like, on holiday, you don't, like, you know when you see people that haven't rubbed in their sun cream, it's just sitting on the surface of their skin? Are you one of them? <laughs> just walking There's around. There tends to be Scottish people that just sit there covered in white cream. Well, most Scottish people are ginger, uh, according to stereotypes, and gingers burn quick. I am not a ginger. I actually tan really well. Which is, oh, do you? Yeah, I yeah, tan like super well. So um, this is like such a weird conversation. Uh, yeah, I like I like brown really quickly. Um, I don't really burn. Um, 
which is why I kind of feel like I'm I'm God's cruel joke and that I can take a tan really well, but I hate the sun. Um, yeah. So uh, yes, I'm I'm looking I'm I'm looking forward to going. And I know that all the buildings have really good air conditioning and stuff like that. But yeah, you know, where I would usually get up first thing on a holiday, like maybe like seven in the morning, get myself all ready and be out like at the the, the break of of day to go out and check out. Um, kind of historical buildings and all the rest. I think that's probably definitely going to have to be the case this time. I'm going to have to go really early or later on. I don't think I'm going to be able to do much no. you know, midday to like four o'clock or something because I'll melt into a puddle. You might um, get used to it. You'll acclimatise and then you just before you come home... you come back to miserable to... Scottish weather. Yeah. <laughs> do you put Factor 50 on your tattoos? Um, I'll be putting Factor 50 on everywhere. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so I had this thing, right, where I was having to put Factor 50 on my tattoos. Obviously, I don't want them to fade, but Factor 15 everywhere else. <laughs> and it's fucking tedious having to apply it twice. <laughs> and like it was like I was colouring in, keeping within the lines of the tattoo. Oh, my God. Is it the, you're like that. We're, we're getting ready to go out. Right, I need half an hour here. Honestly. I my sunscreen and then I can go out. Yeah, that's yeah. It literally, like took about twenty minutes to cream up because it's got oh. different factors on tattoos, different factors for shoulder and faces. And so. <laughs> I, I see. I, this is why I purposely put pieces with no sun at all. So I need to worry about that. But uh, no, yeah, no, so it'll be, it'll be interesting. You'll hear about it when I come back. I'll be a money bastard. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's yeah. So so, but you had fun anyway. You were relaxed, settled in. You've come back. Um, to to finish off the prosecuted list, and I mean, I, yeah. I'm I'm kind of a bit, I have a bit of a tear in the eye and a lump in the throat about this one because I know that none of the titles after this mark are going to have the same level of controversy. And that's not to say they're not yeah. going to be as good. Are we going to have to kind of change the rating system? Because I mean, still keep it like slap on the wrist and all that, but to say should it be on the list? Yeah, technically, it's not really the same list, is it? The uh, it's, yeah, it's on an extended list. So yeah, I think I think where we I think where we go moving on to that one is we remove the second rating and we just keep the first rating, and we could maybe yeah. argue the case of whether we think maybe not on maybe not on should it been on the list? Maybe we should argue should it have been on the list? Yeah. So, yeah. like, kind of almost reverse that um, in that instead of weighing up the merit of actually being on that prosecuted list, we weigh up the merit of, well, did this... Because I know for a fact that certain titles straight away on the non-prosecuted list are stronger, more graphic, gory titles than some of the ones we've seen. Yeah, the first so, one for a start. The very first movie we're going to do, The Beyond. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a lot more graphic. So, um, yeah, I think uh, that's I think that's what we do. Uh, and we will be kicking that off in two weeks' time, uh, like Andy said. And the first episode has the beyond on it, which is just, it makes me happy. It makes me so, so happy. Um, yeah. So you were saying uh, at the start, and obviously I reiterated it, that one of the key figures, if we had playing cards... Um, or, or trump cards, which had uh, certain individuals that were involved with the the video nasties movement, probably yeah. the most archetypal figure of kind of puritanical nonsense was Mary Whitehouse. She was the one that really kind of sunk her teeth in and campaigned heavily. You know, got her friends in the conservative government at the time to to kind of raise up the priorities. Um. 
mm. in that decade. So you have done a bit of research into her. I have. And, and um, I will sit back and I will let you educate our listeners <clears throat> as to how much of a cunt bag this woman actually was. Oh, she's a total cunt. Mary Whitehouse um, kind of called herself a social activist, uh, began her activism in 1963 with a letter to the BBC because she was dissatisfied with what she saw on the television. Um, she also set up campaigns against a permissive society in the early 70s, um, objected to a UK edition of something called the Little Red School Book, um, which is like a manual of children's rights on sex, drugs, attitudes to adults, um, which was actually successfully prosecuted for obscenity in July 1971. Um, White House thought it had done incalculable damage and was a revolutionary primer um, in which open rebellion against the system towards schools, parents and authority in general was openly advocated and children were constantly exhorted to collect evidence against teachers of alleged injustices. So obviously anything against the system was what Mary Whitehouse didn't like. Um, she had a clean up the TV petition um, using the manifesto, gained 500,000 signatures. So she had quite a lot of backers mm -hmm. um, because you know, people were agreeing with her. Again, it's, it goes back, she was obviously highly religious, um, so kind of, you know, which is one of them weird things where Christian people are supposedly really loving and accepting and tolerant. Mm -hmm. And the irony is some of the kind of people that, are the, you know, that are the most kind of Christian are completely intolerant, bigoted, yep. don't like any of this kind of thing. And she was kind of one of these people. But... The other things that she had a problem with, she didn't like Benny Hill. Um, she was criticising his <laughs> dances. Anyone that kind of in British will know Benny Hill. It's just kind of a laughable. What? Who was? How would you describe Benny Hill? It it, it was kind of it, it was a kind of tongue in cheek humour, um, generally based around uh, the kind of the the stiff upper lip. British sensibility towards sex, so people yeah. will know the song, you know, da -da 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 and basically yeah, yeah. there would always be this clip where Benny Hill would uh, be surrounded by very attractive women who generally would lose an item of clothing, and then there would be an extended sped up sequence of him chasing the women, the women chasing him. It was all very Scooby doing parts. They would run in yeah, one yeah. door, come out another door, um, and yeah, it, but it was seen at the time as being kind of overtly sexual which when you yeah. think about it by today's standards jesus christ um no. so yeah so, I, I mean, that's what that's what benny hill did so she had a massive problem with him um she didn't like war coverage on the telly um apparently there was a repeated coverage of the liberation of the belson concentration camp and um, she complained about this being filth and um, be allowed on air as it was bound to shock and offend it's like, well, yeah, it's a concentration camp. Of course, it's going to shock and offend people, but you can't remove it and pretend it never happened, can you, Mary? Okay, uh, Doctor Who, she had a massive problem with that. Um, she, the series met with her heaviest disapproval between 1975 and 1977. She had a huge problem with Doctor Who, um, saying that it was teaching children to make Molotov cocktails. Uh, the producer <laughs> kindly pointed out to her that it wasn't meant to be for children. Doctor Who. It wasn't. Um, so and how those times have changed. It's now a, yeah, exactly. like a, a family programme, but at the time it was very much aimed at adults. Yeah, exactly. But she seemed to think it was for kids. Um, so she, she's just a moron. Chuck Berry's novelty song, My Dingaling. I don't know if that <laughs> went to America. It probably didn't. 
But that was a, one of several pop songs to receive her disapproval. Um, she was unsuccessful in trying to persuade the BBC to ban that one. But her campaign to stop Alice Cooper's Schools Out being featured on Top of the Pops was successful, mm-hmm. um, which then resulted in that song going straight to number one. So Cooper sent her a bunch of flowers saying cheers. That's the best publicity I could have possibly had. Thank you. So, in your face, Mary. Um, she criticised the ITV adventure drama series Robin of Sherwood, um, which was like a Robin Hood kind of uh, TV series between 84 and 86. Didn't like that. Um, her fear of homosexuals was quite visceral, uh, according to one commentator. He describes um, the belief that she reveals in her book, Whatever Happened to Sex?, um, homosexuality was caused by abnormal parental sex during pregnancy or just after. So apparently, if uh, just after you impregnate your missus, if you start doing weird kinky shit, your kid turns out gay, according to Mary. It's that light and um, black candles, painting pentagrams, that sort of stuff. That's it, and it just, yeah, the kid turns gay within the womb. Being gay was like having acne, apparently. Um, psychiatric literature proves that 60% of homosexuals who go for treatment get completely cured according to Mary. Um, then Thatcher came in in the 80s. Margaret Thatcher uh, was like kind of one of our most famous uh, prime ministers. being And the a first personal one. friend of Mary Whitehouse, actually. Personal friend of Mary Whitehouse. Um, they became allies in this um, because uh, Thatcher was also a bit of a cunt. Um, <laughs> Whitehouse met Thatcher on at least two occasions to discuss the possibility of banning sex toys in the UK. Um, apparently this was a, an extension on the depraved and corrupt kind of thing that the video nasties was um, in the pub, obscene publications that so she wanted to ban dildos as well so has she no heart what is wrong with Mary Whitehouse she was appointed a CBE in 1980 and then in 1988 suffered a spinal injury in a fall which severely curbed her campaigning activities yes um, and then she died aged 90 one in a nursing home in Colchester, Essex, on the 23rd of November 2001. Now, the academic Richard Hogarth um, observed that her main focus was on sex, bad language, and violence in that order. Yeah. So, her main issue was sex. She had a bigger issue with, uh, sorry, she had a lesser issue with the language, and violence was not as important. So, yeah, it's a weird one. Um, her main problem was with like sex and nudity. Mm-hmm. Which is, you know, and that, and that, you know, and obviously the violence in the video nasties and things. And she just thought the video nasties were the reason that society was becoming corrupt and kind of going downhill. Now, I'd argue that people like Mary Whitehouse are the reason <laughs> that society <laughs> and that is going downhill. I mean, you know, it's hard to put your finger on exactly what it is. Why, you know, even if you if you do deem society is kind of going downhill. I mean, I'd say society is kind of. I don't know if it's getting worse. It's getting stranger for me. I think it's because you're getting older. I think that's what it is. I think, I think society that's what it is. I think society's always been fairly reprehensible. I think when you get older, though, I think it becomes more apparent the generational shifts that people go through. You know what I mean? Yeah, it depends, I suppose, what you think as, as it, you know, what, what is your idea of it getting worse? I mean, for me, when I see these fucking ridiculous reality TV shows and things, I see, like, young people completely worshipping false idols and dressing a certain way, like, trying to conform, basically, like, clones. Yeah. That kind of thing. But I don't think that society kind of 
getting worse. I just think that's, I don't know, that's just people being under more control, isn't it? Being more. I think, I think it's fads, to be honest with you. I think what happens is, like, if, yeah, I think it, what what happens is even with them, even with dressing particular ways or whatever, that has always been there. You know what I mean? I th- you can go back to like mod culture, punk culture, early yeah. metal culture. I mean, they've always existed. I think that the 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 big thing nowadays where people may perceive that things are getting worse is that things like social network have made the world a smaller place I mean in the past you know what was big in America one year would maybe take about two or three years to be big in the UK and vice versa that is not necessarily the case anymore you can have a viral hit video of Miley Cyrus twerking you know what I mean Mm. and then next week everyone's twerking you know it's, it's, it's been seen by millions of people all over the world in the space of a day, and I think that's I think that's maybe what it is. I think the world's a smaller place, so it, these kind of cultural shifts happen quicker than they did before. They, there's no longer this kind of grassroots movement to build up something; it just happens. Um, yeah, and I think one one thing that we, we could say about Mary Whitehouse as maybe uh, the only positive I can think of her as an individual is that she had. Her beliefs, and she campaigned in a, a very old-fashioned way campaigning, which was, you go out and you speak to people about it. Now, whether or mm. not you're fully informed, which she wasn't, because she'd never watched any of them, um, no. is, is by the by, but she engaged, she wasn't scared of engaging people in conversation or debate, which is mm. an inherently British thing, which I think is pretty, I mean, that still happens even today. There is a reason that, when, like, if you see how American politicians campaign for things, it's huge rallies, etc. Politicians in the UK, yes, still do those huge rallies, but they still go door to door and yeah. chat and speak to you, your average punter, which would never happen in the States. But they, they, no. they do that because there is that idea of, yeah, we're a smaller country for a start, but there is that kind of idea about a grassroots movement. You drum support from the people at the bottom, and some parties are better at doing than others. I think she yeah. kind of had that ability to, she was very well spoken, she was very well educated. Um, her message was just wrong. She perceived a link between you know, sex or violence on television with corrupting people where even back then I think scientists or psychologists would have acknowledged that's not how it works. You are a product of your upbringing, your parents' beliefs, your parents' Mm -hmm. attitudes, um, where you live demographically, uh, socially and economically. These things shape who you are, not what you watch on the telly, Um, not the films you watch and the music you listen to. They may affect your style, but they don't affect your personality. Your personality is from something else. I think that's where... Even if that had been proved to her, she would not have, she would not have agreed with you. She would have still argued this point that these videos corrupted a nation, which was nonsense. <laughs> it was absolutely fucking nonsense. Um, bullshit. I mean, the, you know, the reason society and, cr- and crime and things are being committed, in my opinion, is is the way the government are running the country. Yeah. Yeah. You know, massive economic disparity between rich and poor, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. You know, people feel that they are being treated completely unfairly, and that's why people go out and steal. You know, that's why people go out and commit crimes because they're fucking angry. It's nothing mm-hmm. to do with the films that they've watched, or you know, if anything, listening to music is going to soothe you 
and calm you down. Watching yeah. a film is going to take your mind off the fact that you're really fucking upset. You know, it's like the war on drugs and things. Now, most people, like, drugs for people aren't the problem. Life is the fucking problem, and drugs yeah. is the, the solution. Mechanism. Yeah, it's an escape exactly. mechanism. That's why t- movies and music are are classed as entertainment. They're an outlet for you to, yeah. to, to forget about your issues. I think, cool. yeah, it's, I think it, it comes. it keeps coming back to this... It always comes back to this, and I think it always has come back to this. For anyone to sit there and say... You know that perversion on you know like people watching pornography or pe- people watching violence on TV affects society. I mean the history books are full of. I mean how how many how many fucking how many horror films did Hitler watch? Zero. I mean look what he did. Yeah. You know it's like I mean go back to ancient Rome where there was fucking orgies happening and amphitheaters. You know, yeah. violence is a spectator sport. That from you. you weren't copying that from you porn were they? Exactly you know what I mean it's always been there it always will be there. I think yeah. people like I say when people start to get older I think they start to notice it more. I think when you're younger, you just kind of, you're not completely oblivious, but you just have a, a tendency to adapt better. I think when you get yeah. older, that starts to erode slightly, um, yeah. and you become a bit more, not set in your ways, but you have a specific outlook on the world, which has been built up over several decades of mm. living in that world. Um, and I think when you start to see things gain traction in a direction which is different from yours it's very easy to jump to that conclusion that the world's going mad um yeah and it isn't really uh i mean there are things that have me like completely like you were talking about reality television i don't get it i do not like the only way is sx fucking you know what right it's like it is it is entertaining okay some of these things but what it does it taps into almost your lowest fucking uh, you know, like the, you, like the the worst parts of human nature, the worst yeah. parts of within you. That's what it stimulates. You know, like when it doesn't you're focus on the guys doing good things or the women doing no, good things. Like, it focuses on it focuses on them being manipulative, um, yeah. drinking to excess, um, you know, cheating on people. It, it focuses on all the negative aspects to because they are the more entertaining thing. People won't tune in and watch a reality. TV show where people are being nice to each other. They'll only watch it when yeah, people are bitching exactly. about each other, and that's it, it, it is. It's the 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 it's the worst parts of society that gets put on a TV screen. And I don't understand. I know people find it entertaining, but I don't. Yeah, get it's it. like. It's like when you watch Jeremy Kyle, you know, like the purpose of that show, you're basically watching two incredibly, like they're usually very low educated people yeah. that are on benefits. Kind of what people would consider like almost you know almost kind of scumbags of society arguing over who's had sex with who, who's the dad of their kid, who's stolen from who. Like it's a weird thing when you break it down that you're sitting and watching that happen in front of you. Just two people yeah. that you've never met having a row, it's like facilitated by some twat in front of a studio audience. It's fucking weird. Like I watched the thing last night though. I just like kind of skimmed past it while I was looking for something else. Um, it was uh. Oh, what was it? It was it was people that used to have money and are now on benefits. Mm-hmm. I thought, what the fuck? Yeah. What? What? I don't understand. I mean, like I said, I don't really watch TV. I can't remember what it was I was trying to find last night. But uh, you know, like when you get your program guide up, and like one of them was an ex Big Brother star 
who had apparently had loads of money when she finished Big Brother and now she's on benefits. And it was just like following her around, looking at the state of her house. I thought, I, I don't get this. Yeah. What's the purpose of this? It's fucking weird. Yeah, it's so strange. And like, I think just going back to like what we're saying about kind of Mary Whitehouse and what she was saying, like banning things doesn't work and people don't seem to get their head around this. You know, <laughs> yeah. telling, kids, telling kids just to say no to drugs doesn't work. You've got to explain to children, you know, educate people as to what drugs are. Just saying no just makes you want to look, it just makes you want to take them and see what's going to happen. You know, telling, like banning a movie just makes people want to go out and see the movie. It's weird, like this weird educational thing where people don't want to talk about stuff, they just want to sweep it under the carpet and pretend it never happened. Like Mary Whitehouse, don't show footage of war on telly. Why? What, are we supposed to just pretend it doesn't, it's not going on? Yeah. If like, you show footage of war to people and explain to them what the outcomes of war are, it's less likely to happen. Yeah, maybe there would be fucking ridiculous wars like there are now that are blatantly just for profit to secure footholds in countries that have got oil. You know, if people knew the proper consequences of war, but yeah. it's not, it's almost broadcast. Like, I remember when Thatcher obviously decided to go to war uh, in the Falklands, it, oh, was God, like, yeah. well, it was like the World Cup was on. Mm-hmm. It was fucking mental in England. Like it was literally like Britain won RG zero. It's not a football game. You just murdered hundreds of people. Yeah. Like, but they literally was like people. Like the the Belgrano is a, a perfect example. It was a, a ship full of Argentinian soldiers that retreated, and Thatcher put the order through to fucking blow it out of the water as they were retreating, and then did like an air punch, like yeah. like a favourite team had just scored a goal. And it's like you've just murdered like about a hundred teenagers mm. and young men, you fucking psycho. Yeah. So yeah, it's weird. Just like trying to pretend these things don't happen and Yeah, fucking strange. <laughs> so that's um, so that's Mary Whitehouse anyway, and that's the kind of um I mean uh, the reason we're we're talking about her rather than playing clips is because she doesn't really feature that heavily on that episode, because although she was heavily involved in the whole video nasties thing, she'd never seen them. So there was nothing yeah. to really talk about because it's not like she could sit and dissect what it is she didn't like about these films. She she went on telly and said, I've never seen one and I don't need to. And that was kind of the only real footage of her. Um, like you say, she was just out chatting to people, knocking doors and things. She wasn't actually really doing many TV interviews and stuff at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, it was all kind of, you know, just behind closed doors and, and making waves in the newspapers and things. So, yeah, that's why we've not really got any footage of Mary other than kind of in our opening little gambit. Um, yeah, but that's the it's lowdown. It's the best soundbite ever, though, isn't it? It's, it is it's really brilliant. the best soundbite ever. Because it kind of just sums up the whole ludicrous thing that nobody really watched them. And, you know, like, I think with last last week's episode, last you know, two weeks ago, the the thing they played in the House of Commons, it wasn't the movies in their entirety. Someone had basically gone and found the worst bits of all the movies and made a compilation, like the kind of things that you see on YouTube when you can find, like, best head explosion comments. It's one of them. <laughs> and that's what everybody saw in the House of Commons. So it was completely out of context, and it was just 30 minutes of brutal violence. Because you get it at the beginning of the um, Video Nasties documentary. Yeah. It literally shows you the worst bits of all 72 films in a massive long clip. It's brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what they saw. So, yeah, it sums it up perfectly that nobody really watched these movies. They just saw some of the worst bits and condemned them from there. And that's kind of where we left. 
And they're so finishing off this, uh, yeah, we're finishing off the, yep. 30, the, the 39 on the original prosecuted list on this show. Uh, and yeah. some absolute corkers as well. I can't stress that enough. We're going to be talking about movies, which both myself and yourself... I mean, today I watched Zombie Flesh Eaters for the first time in... Oh, over a decade, I think, since I saw okay. that movie. Um, and this is the first time I've ever seen it on Blu-ray. And, um, it's great. It's fucking gorgeous on Blu-ray. Um, so yeah, we're going to be talking about that. We're going to be talking about Tenebrae, which is a movie I know inside out. We're going to be talking about... <laughs> The Werewolf and the Yeti, which is a movie I didn't know existed until we looked at the list. And I um, wish it didn't. Oh, well. I really wish it didn't exist. I really, really wish it didn't exist. So, um, Andy, do you think we should take a break and then you come back strong? Uh, I will with, with climb down off my political high horse, ready <laughs> yeah, to you're... talk about Tenebrae. <laughs> right, so we're going to take a short break. You're going to hear a promo for Johnny Krug, because we love Johnny Krug. Um, you're also going to hear some learned gentlemen and ladies discuss why Tenebrae was on the list. And then you'll hear me. You're going to hear Andy then explain what we thought about that movie and did it deserve to be on this list right after this. Do you like movie reviews that are insightful, thought provoking? and delivered by somebody who's trained to critically dissect every aspect of a motion picture without ever having to use obscenities. Then you've got the wrong f***ing show. Kruger Nation Horror Podcast is ready to feed your slasher movie and exploitation needs. There'll be more blood, expletives, and titties than you can shake your grandma's beetle flaps at. Visit www.krugernation.com this is one of those famous cases where the DPP pounced on a film after it had got a BBFC certificate. So really, it was on very shaky ground. And the main reason why um, they didn't like it was for this scene of the axe dismemberment. Um, the reason why this film is now quite infamous, not just in England, where it was a video nasty, but in Italy, is because the girl in that photograph is Veronica Lario. And of course, she became Mrs. Silvio Berlusconi, the Prime Minister of Italy's wife. For years, he actually stopped this movie going on Italian television. And all the scandals that you're hearing about now is all due to her. And welcome back. Okay, so after a bit of a long intro there, we've got the first of our three movies, um, Tenebrae, from uh, Italian film from 1982 by Dario Argento. This is a kind of a return to Jallo after doing a few supernatural movies. I think this is the last Jallo movie he did. Um, well, Correct last, me if I'm wrong. No, no, he, stuck, he, he continued doing Jallos right throughout the... Right throughout his career, I think um, this is the return to form. A lot of people would argue this is the last great Argento Giallo. Um, okay. Uh, so I think a lot of people are quite dismissive about what comes afterwards. So I think he last, has. I think he has one. some crackers after this. Um, I, I obviously have said before this is my favourite. I don't think yeah. he ever in the Giallo genre anyway. I don't think he ever really tops what he does in Tenebrae. So. Okay. So. 
It was released June 83, um, added to the list in March 84, uh, so didn't really get too long before it was pulled. Basically follows um, a guy, Peter Neal, an American writer of violent horror novels, um, whose books are tremendously popular in Europe. He's going to Italy to promote his latest work. This man has got balls of steel because he's cycling down the motorway on a fucking push bike. Are you mental? What are you doing, mate? He's cycling over. It's over the Brooklyn Bridge as well, if memory serves. Jesus. Which he's is in, featured he's in our final film as well, The Brooklyn Bridge. It is, actually. Yeah, it's a really good shot. Yeah, the fucking hell. That's brave. That is brave, sir. I thought it was more brave wearing that tracksuit. <laughs> as well, yeah. <laughs> I'd have knocked him off just for wearing the tracksuit. <laughs> he's powdered blue baby baby blue tracksuit. Yeah, nice, mate. Nice. Um, so, accompanied by his literary agent um, and his assistant, uh, he's also he's kind of unaware that he's been followed by his embittered wife. Um, and then he arrives in Rome and uh, women start to be murdered by a, a gloved killer, which is obviously kind of one of the tropes of the Digiallo movies. Um, the murderer sends him a letter kind of informing him that his books have inspired him to go on a killing spree. Um, and then the police get involved. And so on. Now, this is kind of a visually stunning movie. Um, so obviously I'm not a massive fan of Argento, which is obviously why I thought this is his last Jello movie in uh, years. <laughs> Um, we'll, we'll work on you Andy we'll work on you there's plenty yeah, of time I know, you, I know you're saying you know, are you going to educate me throughout this thing um, Deep Red's Argento isn't it yeah, Deep, Red's, I... yeah Deep Red was the previous Jalo movie that he did and they did Suspiria Inferno yeah. which were both supernatural and then he came yeah. back to Tenebrae so you know how I feel about Suspiria I'm not a yeah. fan <laughs> You, the, you, you make it just that's a blasey comment as if you're like I'm just not a fan you don't like that movie you hate that I've, movie yeah I've tried I tried to watch it about three times and just got sick of it and turned it off I forced myself to sit all the way through it I uh, don't get it um, you've told me I'm gonna hate Inferno as well <laughs> yeah I, th- I think I think the thing about Suspiria and Inferno is they tap into a, almost like the movies are very dreamlike both movies are really yeah. dreamlike they play on this idea of nothing really makes sense like in, yeah. in Suspiria nothing it is like having a nightmare nothing makes sense no, there's nothing tangible there's no mm. sense to the sequences that happen people die in ways which are so fucking left the field and jarring that if you thought like that was like that bit Suspiria, when you watch Inferno, Inferno will just your brain will hurt because Inferno is has less narrative. Inferno has okay. the least narrative out of the Mother of Tears trilogy, the Three Mothers trilogy. Right. Um, you know, he, he he has the least amount in that. So I, I'm I've already resigned myself to the fact that I'm going to have to have my my defensive posture in place for that one because yeah. I love Inferno and I know for a fact you're going to fucking hate it. <laughs> Okay, good. So, so this one, um, I do like. It. I mean, I've said to you before, I've seen a couple of other um, of Argento's Jallos, and mm. I do like the Jallo films. It's it's the the horror films I can't really get behind, but yeah, the, the, this is good. I mean, I really enjoyed um, Bird of the Crystal Plumage. This though, for me, is like this is visually stunning. Mm. It, it's some of the death scenes are incredible. The cinematography is great. Just some of the weird shots of the woman putting the the t shirt over her head. And he slashes a hole in it, and kind of that gate. That is so odd and creative, and just the kind of thing you don't see in films. And that's you know one of the things, isn't it? People obviously like about Argento is these kind of scenarios that he creates that are just unlike anything else you've really ever seen. Um, There's another one where the woman's murdered, and her head kind of smashes through the window with her throat cut. 
know, that's a, I think that's the front cover um, of, of a lot of the versions of the film that you can get. And again, that's kind of a really great sequence. Um, there's an amazing, the scariest dog I've ever seen in this movie. <laughs> the it dog's fucking... You know, <laughs> Who is this dog? It knows, it knows parkour, this dog. <laughs> I've never seen anything like it. Like, it, it scales an eight-foot fence at one point. Because if I was ever being chased by a dog and I saw an eight-foot fence, I'd think I'm safe. Yeah. I will climb over that fence and that dog's got no chance. The dog, it's, it's almost like the dog's one of the actors in the films. It walks up to the fence, yeah. circles back, takes a run up and fucking clears it in like two jumps. And I thought, Jesus, that is fucking terrifying. Like, there's no way you can go is there, from a dog like that. I mean, he's obviously a stunt dog and it's been trained to do that, but I thought that's fucking brilliant. Mm-hmm. It's the way it walks away from the fence, turns around and runs back. Yeah, yeah. Because I hadn't seen this film for years. And I thought, I'm sure that dog purposefully takes a run up at that fence. Yep. And when it did, I was like, oh my, that's fucking brilliant. It's, it's putting yeah. almost like a human, these things that yeah. you would think of being as human thought into yeah. a dog and there's something insanely menacing about that. It's like really... It it's almost like you can see the cogs turning in that dog's <laughs> head and it thinks, right, I'm going to have to take a run up to get up this fence. And it does. And it's not even a big run up either. It's... <laughs> That's sort of scary. I'd need about half a mile to 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 clear that, and it just it's amazing. Um, the soundtrack's great. It's Goblin again. It's really obviously Goblin. It sounds very similar to um, Dawn of the Dead. Mm-hmm. There's certain aspects of it when there's like a bit of a chase or something going that really sounds similar to that. So that's great. And um, the acting slash dubbing is not really that bad for an Italian movie. Yeah, um, you do get the Italian version. Mm-hmm. And I was meaning to ask you, because people like John Saxon in this movie are obviously English. In the Italian version, does an Italian actor dub him? Yes. Right. Okay. That's what is weird, isn't it, the way they do it? Um, yeah. I'm, I'm, not got... entirely, I'm not entirely sure that in the Italian version it's not all completely dubbed again anyway. Okay. Quite I, don't, right, I, don't, yeah. I don't necessarily think... I think I, it's been a while since I watched the full Italian version. I tend to... This is one of the very few... Um, Italian horror movies and you've hit the nail on the head because the dubbing's so good in it there's one of the very yeah. few ones that I actually watch in English um, okay, yeah. with full dubbing like for example when I watch Deep Red Deep Red's all in Italian for me it always has to be in Italian and I have to watch it in Italian um, okay. because the dubbing is not great <laughs> right well I was really annoyed you know the um, how I bought Deep Red and I asked you which version to watch and you said watch the Italian version yes Annoyingly, the Italian version hasn't got the English dub. Oh, fuck, really? Yeah, so the Italian version you have to watch with subtitles and the English version you, you have to watch dubbed. It's, there's no interchange, right. which is annoying because the, I specifically bought that film because I couldn't get on with it yeah. in, uh, in the subtitles just because I was finding it hard to... Like, it was just, I don't know, there was just something bad I couldn't really follow. Yeah. So I sp- deliberately bought the version with English dubbing thinking I'll probably get on with it a bit better if I watch that. And that's not because I don't like um, subtitled films because I've got a massive amount of subtitled films in my collection. It's yeah. just there's something about Deep Red that I couldn't get into. So I thought, oh, maybe if I get the English version, I might find it a bit easier to swallow sort of thing. And obviously then you told me to watch the Italian version because it's the better cut and it's fucking not in English. Yeah. Um, so I haven't I'm, got around I'm in the minority that. on that one, actually. I think the majority of people will tell you that the, the, the English cut is a better one, but the English cut um, removes... 
If, if the English Cup plays um, Daria Nickelodeon's character as almost a suspect in part uh, okay. in the movie, which is just crap. It's not like that at all. Um, yeah. Like when you watch the Italian full length version, there's a, a romantic like thing going on between um, the, the our main character, the piano player, and um, the reporter. It's linked up as they are both investigating things together. Uh, which I prefer. I prefer that version of it. But like I say, I know a lot of people that will tell you that it slows the movie down and all the rest. Yeah. I just don't see it that way. Okay. Um, and then, I mean, there's some good little kind of plot things in this. Like the girl just randomly gets chased by this parkour dog. Yes. Um, it chases her to almost it's like the killer's lair, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, which is cool. Uh, and then she's kind of stuck there. She sees obviously that this, uh, you know, this, she realizes that she's found the murderer's lair. I'd forgotten who the killer was because I'd only seen this once. Ah, awesome, awesome! Because this yeah, one, this one's the one that throws always... a lot of people actually, is because when they watch the movie, they think there's only one killer, and there's not. There's two. There is. Is there two? Is there? Right. See, I. It's. It's sometimes there's. It depends. Like some people like miss the the connection. Right, the the reporter guy that asks him at the start, um, you know, the wee reporter guy that like starts really aggressively questioning him about, yeah. you know, how do you feel comfortable with your movies being morally, you know, reprehensible and demeaning towards women and all the rest. He's the killer, right? So right. he kills everyone up. So do you know what I thought that because I thought I was annoyed. I thought oh, if I had time, I was going to watch it again. Because, you know, like with the Sixth Sense thing, where you need to watch it again to see if he like if the, if the filmmakers fucked up. And I was sure when a note got slid under the door, he was in the other room and he couldn't have possibly done that. Right. Thought, yeah, oh. you're right. Yeah, yeah. So, right. so the, yeah. the reporter guy is the first killer. When he dies, yeah. Then the second killer emerges, and we can, I think we can go to spoiler on this one. I, I, once again, I'm, this movie came out in '82, so it's like 33 years old. Um, our main character, which is totally against the Jallo tropes that Argento himself has made, and it's one of the reasons I think the movie stands out. And Argento Jallo movies before this, there is always an American or there's a foreign person in Italy who witnesses a, a murder, works with the police in a kind of police procedural sort of fashion to track down who the killer is. In this movie, we have that for the first three quarters of the movie and then the last quarter of the movie, our American, the writer, um, he is actually the killer. He becomes the killer. And he we, he basically becomes a killer because through these murders that are happening, they trigger a repressed memory that he's had when he murdered someone as a youth. Um, yeah, and then he goes. That's why you keep getting those flat. It's funny because after all the kill sequences in the beginning, you get this trigger scene of him having one of these flashback dreams, which mm. I've always thought is inherently confusing because you will assume that because there's a kill and then a flashback to the dream sequence at the end, um, Peter Neal's character is a killer because you know he's been having all these flashbacks. But no, there are two. Two different killers. Um, Peter Neal's character, he just he just continues the killing on, and that's how they know that there's another killer because when that. Reporter, so when when does the first killer die? Um, the first killer dies at the hands of Peter Neal. Does he not? Does Peter Neal not kill yeah, him? Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, so yeah, he, yeah. He, he actually he actually kills him and then continues. That's his first kill in the movie, mm. so to speak, and then he continues killing from that point onwards. Um, yeah. 
And I, I love it. You, you mentioned about things like to do with the, the, the classic Argento eye for, for shots. I mean, that's that's what he does. He sets up shots. It's been the bane of a lot of his career is that a lot of people say he spends too much attention to making sure that it has these most insane, incredibly looking shots and not necessarily as much time making sure the actors can act. Uh, and that's yeah. definitely a criticism that you could throw at him in his later career. I think what's cool about this one is that we get probably my favourite shot in horror ever, of any horror movie that's ever existed, the tracking shot outside the building with the two lesbians. Okay. And that's all done in one shot. So the camera yeah. moves out and then up the building and then through another window and then pans down some stairs and then comes around and moves. All done seamlessly in one shot. Could, in my opinion, be the best constructed shot in a horror movie ever. I just think mm. it's fucking brilliant. And it's timed perfectly to the Goblin score for Tenebrae. It's timed perfectly to moving out and all the rest. And that's the same sequence where the woman goes through the the window and the woman gets her, her shirt slashed. So you have yeah. all that in the space of, like, 10 minutes, you get some of the, the most iconic shots in not only Italian horror cinema, but I generally think in horror cinema. Um, yeah. I think this movie's bloody. Like, it's really, like, the other movies he did were pretty bloody. He goes for it in this one. It's a lot of gore. Um, oh, God. Some of the blood splatter. Like, I mean, the one of the one of the kind of last murders in the movie where she gets her arm chopped oh, off. That's amazing. It is brilliant. I mean, it's almost, it, it is. You know, it's almost like a theatre piece, like spraying the blood deliberately across a white wall. It's great. I mean, it's obviously deliberate and, you know, it's not particularly realistic, but it works in that visual style because we've seen the other things first off, you know, the slashing the teacher and, you know, these, these kind of elaborate death sequences. Mm-hmm. It doesn't look out of place when she dramatically hose pipes the wall with blood. It, it's cool. <laughs> it works, doesn't it? It's great. Hey. It's, it's brilliant, and the the great thing, there's like I say, there's so many iconic scenes for me in this movie. It's, it's one of the reasons I've always gravitated to this one above Suspiria or Deep Red, which are in order. That's my order. My favourite Argento movies are, you know, it's Tenebrae, then Suspiria, then Deep Red. Um, okay. But the reason Tenebrae kind of wins it for me is a lot of those aspects. It's the, the kind of mystery, the twist that it has in it, I think is fucking brilliant. Because um, mm. it feels like a, 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 some of the other Jalo movies, the, the killer that's finally introduced at the end, it doesn't really quite make sense, and then they die a horrible way. Um, yeah. And that's kind of how a lot of these movies, not just Argento, but if you look at Filci, if you look at Bava to an extent, maybe not so much Bava, um, but we look at these guys, that's kind of the template that they design out. Um, mm. And that's one of the reasons when you watch A Bay of Blood, that's one of the reasons I enjoy A Bay of Blood so much because oh. A Bay of Blood pokes fun at these tropes. That's why every killer in that movie dies in a really gruesome death sequence yeah. because it's almost Bava saying, look kind of what the, the Jallo movies have kind of become. I started them and look where they've went. And that's why he kind of highlights them in there and then moves away towards the slasher style, which hasn't been born yet properly. Um, So he kind of moves to that. It's one of the reasons I love that movie. But there's a sequence in this movie which I think is just fucking brilliant. And it's just after the arm cut sequence and Peter Neal uses his uh, his switchblade to cut his throat. His uh, open blade razor, sorry, to cut his throat. And we think he's dead. When When the police officer comes back in, he can't, find the body all he can find is the the open blade razor which has a button at the side of it which squirts out fake blood so he's obviously fake killed himself and 
as he's as he's bending down though to pick that up, Peter kneels behind him perfectly, and there's fucking lightning crackling in the background, and it lights his face, and then he kills him with an axe. It's fucking amazing. It's absolutely amazing. And this movie finishes with um, Daria Nicolodi screaming her lungs out. I mean, yeah. that's how. The, how many movies do you see that finishes with someone just fucking screaming over the credits? All it was missing there was a bastard. Yeah, <laughs> bastard. Yeah. Why is PCs not on the fucking list? Uh, so we could I was talk actually, about um, I was, I was going to say, like at the end of this, like uh, if we do a quick five minutes on what films probably should have been on there that weren't, and also what films, if there was a list today. Would make the list. Oh, I, th- I think yeah. Could we do that as maybe a, a supplemental issue then? Like the we'll do we'll do like a maybe uh we'll we'll do we'll release an episode after we've finished all the movies, maybe forty five minutes long, where we just go through a list of things. Yeah, let's pretty, do that. Yeah, I think that'd be pretty cool. Just our, our opinions, because I imagine that when we come to do our list, we will pick like um I don't know five ten movies each that we would think would make that list just now. I imagine some of them will be on the nose for me, but I imagine that from doing this podcast, I think there'll be a, a disparity on certain titles between me and you. I think okay, you'll cool. go off in different directions, so that could be a lot of fun. But um, yeah, yeah, right. yeah Tenebrate Me is just the, it's the perfect Jalo movie. It gives you everything you expect from a Jalo. It gives you the glove killer, which even Argento to an extent moves away from slightly um, mm. after Tenebrae but you get your glove killer you get um, gruesome deaths you get um, a character a foreign character in a country you get his back there's some sort of backstory to some sort of trauma that's happened in the past um, you get wonderful kill sequences the gore is vibrant and vicious um, it's genuinely you know there are sequences which are genuinely pretty fucking freaky like you mentioned the dog I've got dogs. That sequence terrifies me. <laughs> yeah. It's fucking horrible. Uh, you've got the, the, the dog chase sequence. You've got, um, like I say, the sequence in the house, the tracking shot. I just think it's a complete package. I think... Uh, do I think it's the Argento film that should have been on the prosecuted list? No. Um, funnily enough, I think... Uh, I think... It's difficult to, to for me to equate an Argento movie to be on the list at all. Uh, obviously, just because we've said before we don't believe in censorship. But I think yeah. Deep Red probably merit, merited to be more on this because Deep Red's a bit more vicious um, okay. than Tenebrae uh, with the kills. Um, yeah. Than, than uh, Tenebrae is. But that's not to say, to take anything away from Tenebrae. I think it tempers that. To me, Tenebrae is a movie that's made for America. Mm. It's almost like Argento's Hollywood movie, um, okay. and that's why it works as well as it does. Not like personally yeah. speaking, that's why I think it works. Uh, you got anything else you want to to cover in this? Uh, this no, no. Movie? Let's 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 grade it then. So you've just said you don't think it should have been on the list. This no, Te- Tenebrae should not have been on the list at all because um, it doesn't really. It doesn't have any of the the things that we personally have said in the past would merit us considering it from that time frame as being something on the list. It is basically, it's a murder mystery who did it with some gore. Um, It's it's not really that. Um, To be honest, even with the kill sequences in this movie, I would find it difficult to give it anything other than a slap on the wrists as well because there's no... 
implied sexual violence in this movie well, to an extent there is through a dream sequence but it's not it's not on a graphic level at all it's, it is very very subtly implied um, it, it falls into a lot of the, the kind of the levels that we would put like a slasher movie except this movie has really no sex in it at all um, mm. it kind of plays more into the, the kind of murder mystery who done it um, there's no supernatural elements here. It's not a it's not a particularly scary movie at all. There are some scary elements in it, but it's you know it's not a it's it's not a scary movie. So yeah, I, yeah. I would find it difficult to give it anything. I would give it a slap on a slap on the wrist for the gore. Um, yeah, because we say there is quite a lot of blood in it, but definitely not on the list. No. Yeah, I agree for every, all the reasons you've just said. Um, definitely shouldn't be on the list. Yeah, slap on the wrist for the gore. I mean, the gore is great. And it's really kind of, you know, it looks amazing in HD and all that sort of thing, but it's not particularly realistic or, like, brutal violence. It's not, you know, it's, it doesn't make, oh, God, it doesn't make you look away. Or it, it's not realistic enough, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, okay, the, on paper, it looks quite brutal. You know, there's people being murdered with axes, people being stabbed. But the way it's done, it's more, like, just visually pleasing more than anything else, yeah. more than disturbing. Um I can't really see why anyone would get particularly offended. I think the reason it was on the list is the arm chop scene at the end because that was completely removed. Um, yes. until Yeah, I mean, it was partially removed in some cuts, completely removed in others, um, and obviously in its you know, full intact kind of glory um, in the versions that we've watched. But, you know, if that's the worst bit of the movie, it's so over-the-top and theatrical I really find it difficult to think why anyone would even get offended, even if they just saw that shot on its own out of context. I still don't get it. So, no, it shouldn't be on the list. And it's, uh, yeah, just a slap on the wrist for this one. Yes. So, Tenebrae down. Um, so, so, of the Argental movies you've seen, just just out yeah. of curiosity, thinking out loud just now, of the Argental movies you've seen, what's your favourite? Uh... Do you have a favourite? I'm not sure. I'm just trying to. Th- I'm just trying to think which ones I've watched. Uh, so you watched Bodwell Crystal Plumage. Um, yeah. You've watched Deep Red. You've watched Suspiria. You've watched yeah. Tenebrae. Um, mm. Have you ever seen Cat and Nine Tails? No, I haven't. I mean, you'd to watch like that. that. You, you'd like Four that. Flies See, on, Four, Four Flies on Grey Velvet. Is that's another one, isn't it? That yeah, yeah. Those, those. That's the Animal Trilogy. You did if you like. Yeah. If you like Bodwell the Crystal Plumage, then Cat and Nine Tails. Is in a similar vein because they're in kind of close time frame to each other. Uh, Four, okay. Four Flies and Grey Velvet is like it's like his precursor to Deep Red. Mm. So it's him getting more violent, more graphic just before he goes off and does Deep Red. So certainly from my point of view, um, if that if you like that sort of element to do with his Jalo work, then probably start with those beginning ones. And I, I'm yeah. ne- I'm I'm never going to hold out hope. Uh, oh sorry I'm never going to give up hope uh, that eventually one day you'll like Suspiria um, yeah. but I understand exactly where you're coming from I can't argue can't argue against the, the points that you've raised in the past because you're right you're 100% I wish, right I wish I did like it though it's one of them things like you know when everyone kind of lords this over these these movies I kind of think oh, am, am I missing something yeah. like why but I just don't think I am. I just think it's not for me. You know, it's it just not, misses yeah, the mark. It just doesn't connect. It doesn't connect. Yeah. I mean, that's but that's the beauty of horror. That's the beauty of horror. However, 
We're about to go on and talk about a movie which I can I can genuinely say I don't think this movie connects with anyone. Uh, <laughs> if it did, let's just, please let's just get this out of the way with. Let's yeah. just get this over with. <laughs> right, so we're going to take a short break. You're going to hear some promos for shows on the Horophilia Network. You're going to hear people talking learnedly, unlike what we're about to do, um, about our second movie review, which is <clears throat> The Werewolf and the Yeti. Uh, ridiculous name for a ridiculous movie. Uh, we're yeah. going to be right back after this break. The Nanoazer is filmed in front of a live studio audience. Hey, Wazell, I think we should record a new ad for Bananaazer. Great idea, Dave. We should say that Bananaazer Horror Podcast is hosted by us and Alex. What? I heard my name. I think we should talk about the retrospectives. They've been a pretty big hit. Fucking Friday the 13th, Saw, Halloween retrospective. Yeah, man, I've heard people listen to that Halloween retrospective every October like it's tradition. Yeah, you don't say. Well, I shouldn't be surprised. I do, too. You listen to your own podcast? Yeah, our shit is that damn good. Yeah, man, we should also say in the ad we hope to introduce horror fans to something new, whether it's a movie they haven't heard of or look at other films in a new way. Yeah, we could talk about our walking through the 80s specials we did when we covered the 80s movies. We could talk about rolling through the 70s. We could talk about you doing mushrooms. <laughs> yeah, we can. Are you writing this down? Writing? What are you two talking about? Yeah, and the ad should say all the technical stuff, too. Like, you can find our show and its full archive on horrorphilia.com, iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube. Um, is there anything else? I don't think so. I think that's... Oh, well, hold on. We could talk about uh, Banana Bites, because no one else does it. It's uh, the in-between episodes. Yeah, all about horror news releases, and, of course, with our witty opinions and observations. Ugh. Yeah, shit. Perfect, man. I think that should do it. This new ad for Banana Wazer is going to be awesome. Oh, that's what you guys are talking about. Can I be on it? No. Banana laser wins every time. The werewolf and the yeti. What a title. It does all sound rather silly, doesn't it? But isn't that what exploitation films should be? Fun, sex, werewolves, torture, nudity... It was issued to American cinemas as Night of the Howling Beast and it's a pity that it hasn't been issued here since this Canon video release, which, incidentally, is highly collectible indeed. It remained on the final DPP-39 list right up to the very end. Here we have a rare French dubbed theatrical trailer. Père et dans la nuit, on entendra leur hurlement diabolique. Mes hommes sont très superstitieux. Ils refuseront d'aller à Caracora. mystère enferme le légendaire Tibet. Quels horribles démons terrorisent des hommes qui n'hésitent pas à jouer leur vie. And welcome back. So this is our second movie review. This is The Werewolf and Yeti, a.k.a. Night of the Howling Beast, um, and it has a ton of other AKAs, by the way, I listed them on the page um, last night, and um, yeah, there's fucking loads of these ones, uh, yeah, uh, this movie came out in 1975, but was officially released in the States in 77, do you know when it was released in the UK? Is this one of these no. ones that just appeared and then went no, on the list? Didn't even bother looking Yeah, I, I don't blame you, I don't blame you. Um, directed by Miguel Iglesias. Um, the the synopsis 
is listed on IMDb, which makes this movie sound a lot more interesting than it actually fucking is, is uh, Waldemar, the renowned adventurer, joins an expedition to find the Yeti in the Himalayas. While hiking in the mountains, he's captured by two cannibalistic demon nymphets, which I actually think they're just vampires, uh, yeah. guarding a remote Buddhist temple and becomes their sex slave. Their transformation, sorry, they transform him into a werewolf, setting him loose to roam the mountain where he encounters a sadistic bandit. That's a terrible fucking synopsis. Uh, mm. And it makes this movie sound a lot better than it actually, <laughs> actually was. This movie was banned, by the way, in 1983. Um, yeah. I went on the list in 83. It's... Right. Oh, this movie's awful. It's awful. <laughs> I don't know. I haven't got anything to say. I don't, it's just shit. It's really, really bad. And I, I know I'd been speaking to uh, Mike Murphy from Badasses, Boobs and Body Counts about this movie like months ago when I announced, he'd asked us what show uh, Tenebrae and uh, Zombie Flesh Eaters was going to be on and I'd said, oh, show 13. And he's like, what's the other movie you're doing? And I was like, The Werewolf and the Yeti. And he's like, all right. And he's obviously seen it. Um, and I was like that, not really holding out much hope for it from the title. The title sounds ridiculous. And he's like that, well, it is a pretty ridiculous film. And I think he looks upon this movie as being one of these... Possibly, and Mike, you'll correct me if I'm wrong, as a kind of so bad it's good sort of scenario. I can't agree with you at all. Um, It's a weird fucking movie in terms of tone, especially because there are moments here that are, that made me laugh, like laugh because I thought they were aimed at comedy. Uh, I don't think they are. Um, we, we have this, like it says in that horrible synopsis, we have this guy who is, is he a renowned adventurer? I didn't really know that until someone pointed it out. Um, he joins, he does join an expedition because people have been killed by Yeti at the beginning and um, the photographs clearly show that there's a Yeti up there, which if you are anyone... That's not your full scientific proof, but right now you're famous because you have photos of a fucking Yeti. But no, apparently that's not enough for these people. They're going to send mm-hmm. some some explorers up there. Our main guy gets captured by these women who take them to a cave. Um, and then... and I <sighs> Can we class this as rape? This is what kept coming over my head last night. Dream rape. Yeah, he doesn't implicitly get raped per se, but in his dream he's being molested by these women. So mm. it's kind of almost like a half rape. <laughs> so I don't know if this uh, this might be we could depend on how you want to look at this. This could be the first doing the nasty episode to feature a movie which doesn't have rape, mm. or this could be. Another doing the nasty episode, which features kind of implied rape through someone's dream. So mm. I, I'm going to leave that to you. I'm not going to try and work. Listeners, you can choose whichever way you want to go into this. Um, yeah. But these women are. He's got some. This guy that's written this synopsis has said cannibal demons. They're not. They're vampires. They've got fangs. Yeah. They're vampires. Yeah. I mean, it's. Oh, I yeah. thought it was pretty obvious they were vampires, and they somehow. Yeah because they're vampires, have the ability to change this guy into a werewolf. 
Don't know how that works. That like, I don't know what? either. I thought to become a werewolf, you need to be bitten by a werewolf. Or Usually, a werewolf. Yeah. yeah. Generally, generally, that's what I thought, Andy. And that, granted, I'm only going with what I've seen in the movies. Not being well, an that's expert. all we've got to go. <laughs> <laughs> not being an expert on werewolf lore, which, by the way, comes from the movies. But um, you know, I, I'm not you know, not knowing this. I didn't know that vampires could create werewolves. Um, you do now. I do now, that's right. So, um, And then, basically, his friends get captured by some weird fucking Tibetan group of sadists. Pirates? Pir- yeah, pirates is what I was thinking. I, I See, when I started, I thought... Because they, they definitely evoke the spirit of pirates, but I thought pirates needed a boat. But then maybe they don't because if you do video piracy, you're not on a boat when you do it. Some people True. might be. I don't know. True. So they um, just needed the VHS. <laughs> um, so they start doing things, um, and I kind of felt a bit cheated because I had read the the Wikipedia synopsis for this, which says that this movie cul- culminates in an epic hand to hand combat between Hunter the Fang. Yeah, <laughs> a combat between the werewolf and the yeti, and it's pretty shit. It's, it's anticlimactic, it's not... And obviously it's a product of its time, and I shouldn't really overly criticise this cheaply made movie and all the rest. But that's what I, I kept watching this. Had I not known that that sequence was going to be at the end, Andy, I would have switched this off. Uh, or, right. you know, or had I not been doing this podcast, even the bad ones you have to watch. But... Yeah. There was nothing dragging me into this movie at all, other than the promise of this epic fight at the end, which I got, and it was a, it was so anticlimactic and such a letdown. Yeah. Um, I don't know how you're supposed to take this movie. I, I genuinely don't. I don't know what it's the spirit in which it's aimed at. I don't know if it's deliberately supposed to be kind of tongue in cheek in bits. Um, they're clearly influenced in some sections, like the, the, the vampire chicks are clearly influenced by, you know, the, the, the kind of hammer horror vampire movies, right. the way they look, yeah. the way they float. So they're, they're kind of influenced by things to do with hammer horror. It's just poorly executed, poorly acted. The mm. story's pretty shit. Um, and yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't. I don't like it. I don't like it. Um, I think it's funny that on IMDb, the the picture for this movie is the cover, and on that, someone has actually put the 5.1 IMDb stars on the front cover, um, <laughs> and that has changed since then because it now holds a 5.3 um, on the oh, under no. ratings. To me, that's well, probably 5.3 ratings too high. I just thought it was a shit movie. I just really, I, I don't, I can't muster up. I, on any, maybe on any other show, I may have had more to say about it, but on this show, when you are unfairly positioned between two masterpieces of Italian horror cinema, it's very mm. difficult for me to give a fuck about this movie. Yeah. Yeah, it's bad. This is one of the ones that just made me angry that I was having to watch it. I just thought, this, man, this is just wasting my fucking life doing this. This is terrible. No, I mean, it's, yeah, obviously it is low budget, but, you know, Zombie Flesh Eaters is fucking low budget as well. I don't think 
you can hide behind that as an excuse for having a terrible movie. If your budget is so small that you can't make a decent movie, just don't bother. Or just wait a couple of years until you have got the cash. Do you know what I mean? It's like just churning out shit for the sake of doing a movie. It's, I'm not interested. And it's weird, you know, banned by the BBFC. Why? I'm not really sure. I mean, there is a, there's a scene of guy... There's a scene of a guy impaled on a spike, a bit like Cannibal Holocaust, isn't there? You notice no, that? Shit. <laughs> that's a, that's you notice Cannibal Holocaust. Um, obviously, they did it far better. There's a guy that looks like Mr. Miyagi from The Karate Kid. <laughs> Don't think that's why it's on the list. The only thing I think is like the back kind of flaying someone alive, like skinning, their, you know, t- skinning the meat off their back mm. is the only reason I can think this has hit the list. That final sequence of torture. Yeah, but is it... Is it bad though? No, not at all. I'm just no. trying to work out well, like why, how it's possibly on the list, and that's the only re- thing I can yeah. think. It's that last, you know, kind of torture sequence, because there really isn't anything else in it. Like it's it's one of the tamest films on the list. It's one of the worst. I think it's certainly in the top three worst films, and not in a good way. You know, I that wouldn't put. Watched. Yeah. Yeah. Like something like Blood Feast is not in my top three or probably even my top five shittiest films because it's entertaining. This has got none of that. Yeah, I think that's where like you can you can forgive Blood Feast all those things because I've found very few movies recently where I have laughed till the tears are rolling down my face like I did with Blood Feast. And Blood Feast, I think even when it came out, it was aimed as a kind of a shock but entertaining movie. Yeah, you know, I mean that's what that's what Herschel Gordon Lewis did. He created a movie which was there to entertain and shock at the same time. And that shock value has clearly worn off as time has went off. The entertainment value has not. I think it's just as probably entertaining now as it was then. This movie is not entertaining. It is not as it's right. just so pedestrian. You know, I think that's what it was. It was so beige of a movie that yeah. there's just nothing really in here that I personally found even remotely on the slightest bit offensive. At all? Yeah. No, not at all. Like, I'll watch Blood Feast again. I'd rather sandpaper my ball bag and sit in vinegar than watch oh. this movie again. Because <laughs> oh, it's God. just like, it's just wank. It really is yeah. bad. Apparently there's a sequel um, to this. Return of the Wolfman, a.k.a. The Craving. I will, uh, won't be bothering with that one. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I'll be watching that one either. I just, yeah, I think... We're not going to spend much time on this one because the next movie, there's so much to talk about. Um, yeah, let's, let's just fucking get rid of this one then. So I don't think it should have been on the list and I'm going to dismiss the shit out of it. <laughs> I am going to second that. This one gets no no accolades, no fucking hype, no nothing. It shouldn't be on the list and I would dismiss the utter shit out of this movie. Get out of my yep. court, I would say. All right, done. <laughs> Excellent, right? So that was a that was a bad movie. Uh, so we're going to take a short break. Uh, when we return, we're going to be talking about our second Fulci movie on the video nasty list. Um, we have one more to talk about, which lands next week. He's third three on the list, man. Go Fulci! Um, mm. Yeah, what a, what a guy! What a guy! Uh, we're going to be talking about what was known in our country. Uh, as zombie flesh eaters, you Americans may know um, as zombie or zombie two, depending. I think it is zombie two, but apparently there's some list in some places of zombie. Um, right. Who okay. the fuck knows? I don't know. I, I told yeah. you we we worked this out back at the very start when we did um, 
Anthropopicus and stuff like that. The the Italians get a wee bit dodgy when it comes to this numbering system for the for the zombie oh, movies. Yeah. There's yeah, yeah. no rhyme sense or reason to them. Um, so yeah, so uh, we're gonna take a short break. Again, more promos from Horophilia, um, more learned words. Andy's gonna come back and lead the charge and tell you why the fuck Zombie Flesh Eaters is a movie that needs to be watched all the time uh, so he's going he's gonna to make the case for that right after this there are many mysteries in this world and whether you believe or not believe we gather to explore the strange and unexplained where the paranormal is normal and nothing Tastes like chicken. We are Mysterious Boom! Exclusively on the Horophilia Network of Podcasts. Lucio Fulci had three movies on the video nasty list, the most notorious of which, and the most famous of course, is Zombie Flesh Eaters. Now this was originally released as an ex-certificate version, but then suddenly had this version come out, strong, uncut version, just so you were in no two minds of what you were going to see here. Obviously, this is uh, Dawn of the Dead rip-off. Enzo Castellari was originally going to direct Zombie Flesh Eaters, or Zombie 2, it was originally called, to cash in on the Italian title of Dawn of the Dead. But the producer realised that Fulci had actually come off two quite big successes, Don't Torture a Duckling and The Psychic, and so decided to use him instead. since you last spoke to him. Well, we have to go to Matul. We're trying to locate Anne's father. She hasn't heard from him for some time. That's not a cool place to hit. Natives claim it's cursed. They avoid it like the plague. I'm going to tell everyone that you're the one who's crazy. Demented, cruel, evil... What exactly did my father die of, Dr. Minor? And the boat's crew, what happened to them? What is about the dead coming back to life again and having to be killed a second time? These islands, fantastic legends, voodooism, zombies, been right for centuries. Voodoo's just superstitious horseshoe. Now, whatever it is, it makes the dead stand up and walk. I've seen it with my own eyes. And welcome back. So, our third movie of the evening, the final movie on the prosecuted list. Oh. Um, zombie Flesh Eaters. Oh, yeah, it's a bit sad. 
Fine. It's a bit sad. This has been an epic journey. It has. Um, Italy, 1979, directed by Lucio Fulci. Uh, released in November 81 in the UK, added to the list in October 83. So it got nearly two years. Got mm-hmm. a fairly good run. Um, officially, one of the most financially successful video nasties ever. Yes. Um, it did very well for itself, this movie. Quick synopsis, a uh, boat is found in New York Harbour uh, with a zombie on it, which bites and uh, turns slash kills a policeman. Um, this made me laugh. The cop is really reluctant to shoot the, the guy who he thinks is a zombie. <laughs> well, that's not realistic. <laughs> Although he was white, so maybe that had something to do with it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but, uh, he does kill him. Uh, well, he thinks he's killed him. Obviously, and this guy's a zombie. Um, he, you know, and he bites the copper. Um, a reporter goes to investigate this. Um, he kind of manages to get teamed up with the daughter of the guy who owns the boat, um, and then they head to Matul, which is sort of a Caribbean-esque sort of island. I think it's one of the U.S. Virgin Islands. It's meant to be um, where strange experiments are being done. Um, and we basically find out we've got some kind of voodoo zombie shit going on, which is a different take on the whole zombie thing. I think there's kind of two kind of schools of thought with the zombies, isn't there? Two like sort of methods that they use to explain zombies. Yes. Um, and uh, this is kind of the voodoo version. Uh, like we were saying earlier, we watched the, the transfer of this from the Arrow release, mm-hmm. which is fucking brilliant, um, amazing. I think it's probably I think uh, did Blue Underground do a version as well. I believe so, yes. Yeah, it's probably very similar um, to that. It it looks amazing. Uh, The music uh, is great in this as well. Um, Fabio Frizi, who has, like, um, he continued to work with uh, Fulci through um, City of the uh, Living Dead, he did The Beyond with him, Um, he did, fuck, he did early work with him as well. I think, um, I should know this, he did... uh, he did some of the earlier Fulci sort of jallos as well. So it's like, it's almost like uh, Frizi's work with Fulci is like Goblin's work with Argento. Yeah, yeah. And it's great. It really works when you've got kind of the like Caribbean kind of music. It's um, <laughs> a little bit cheesy. Just to let you know, just to re- keep reminding you that we are, you know, in that, that kind in of the, area. In the sunny yeah. Caribbean. Yeah, but then there's kind of the, you know, the sort of the dark kind of, a bit like the music that you get in Cannibal Holocaust sort of thing, almost like a bit sinister. And so it's great. It really suits the tone. Um, Got some incredibly iconic scenes in this. Um, Because basically our two, like the reporter and the the, the boat owner's daughter, need to kind of charter a boat to this island. And they find this couple that are just on like a scuba diving excursion. Um, and they kind of go with them. She goes to do a bit of scuba diving, um, and she encounters a shark, which is scary enough, um, but then she also encounters, like, a, a swimming zombie, mm-hmm. which is great. You know, it's that thing a bit like in uh, what they did with Land of the Dead. You know, a, a zombie's already dead, so putting it underwater is not going to do shit, and this guy's underwater and ends up having a fight with the shark which is fucking brilliant. Apparently, this was nothing to do with Fulci. He didn't even want this scene in the movie. Um, but someone else that was involved said, no, this is great. They basically had like a, like a marine kind of shark wrangler guy who they just put in zombie makeup. And it's so good because it's a real shark. It's a tiger shark and it's a fucking big one. And, uh, mm-hmm. and he's just wrestling and fighting with this shark and it's all real footage. And it's fucking great. It really adds a sense of realism to it. Um, and then we get... 
zombie attacking shark and eating shark. And I don't know. I'd love, I mean, I'm, I mean, you've got to assume is that the shark's going to turn into a zombie, haven't you? Although we never get to see that. Yeah. <laughs> zombie shark, which is a movie coming out on the Sci-Fi Network next year by Asylum. Yeah, it will do. I can't wait to see that. Um, so she kind of comes back to the surface and said, there was a man under there. And they're like, what, what do you mean? And she's like, there's a fucking guy under the water. You know, they obviously think she's a bit mad. So they go to the island anyway, where they're meant to be, because um, the shark hit their boat and damaged it. So they kind of end up, they're on the tool now, which is the island that the, uh, the reporter and the girl wanted to get to anyway. And this is where they find out weird kind of voodoo experiments are being done. Um, we then get one of the most iconic scenes, um, and it really holds up as well, this scene, the splinter in the eye scene. I'm sure even if people listening haven't watched Zombie Flesh Eaters, they've probably seen this somewhere on a meme or on YouTube or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's great. You know, we, just, we get to see a woman taking a shower, um, the zombies kind of lurking outside her cabin, and then it breaks in. Um, and through like, the hole that it's kind of smashed causes like splinters in the wood and it pulls her very slowly eyeball first onto the shard like the you know the splinter and it's fucking great it like goes through her eye and then it like turns her face and it kind of half pulls her eye out it's fucking great considering how old this movie is considering how low budget this movie is yeah 79 is is quite incredible it's it's something that like we're going to be talking about the beyond uh, next week yeah. and um, or sorry, in, in two weeks' time, and but the movies that kind of follow this Fulci kind of because I think this one is the one that became people were talking about this sequence all the time um, about how original it was, how fresh it was, how gruesome it was. That Fulci then starts implementing these sequences, these kind of slow person being pulled towards something sequences in mm. the movies he does afterwards. So, Set the Living Dead, it's um the guy's face getting pulled towards a drill which then goes through the side of his face in the beyond we have another sequence where someone's eyes get bashed into something I think even the house house by the cemetery of memory serves as another there's another sequence where there's like a slow motion someone you know something coming towards someone uh, which Fulci really grabs onto but this is the original one you know this is like this this is is the OG and it's fucking yeah. brilliant. He executes I mean, it perfectly. I, I first couldn't time. help but thinking she's got both hands free. Just move the splinter. Well, right. yeah, this, and, and every every single every single one of these kills that you see in all the other ones as well, it's exactly the same position. You're like, why are you not doing anything? Yeah. <laughs> if my eyes being pulled towards a splinter, I reach out with one hand and pull the splinter away. Yeah, simple. Um, I mean, the atmosphere in this movie, I think, is great. Um, the plot it starts out really strong, and then it goes a little bit plodding. Um, but I'm finding it really intriguing because we're finding out little bits. There's just little hints of zombies lurking around and that sort of thing. Um, and then it all leads up to this kind of final 30 minutes, which is just fucking awesome. Like, mm. this is what basically Cannibal Apocalypse should have been. This is a movie we talked about right back exactly. at the beginning where we kind of see a guy in a hospital gets bit and then a guy in a shop gets bit and then someone in a cinema and like loads of different people getting bit which is basically leading you up to this huge cannibal apocalypse, you know, where every, I mean, it's not cannibal, it's zombie in this case, but where everybody is just slowly all over the city turning into zombies. Mm -hmm. And we get that in this movie. We get that in this film because you've got the guy back in New York who bit the police officer 
he's obviously then bit the morticians at the hospital who have then bit other people in the hospital. You don't necessarily get to see all this, but it's obvious that that's what's going to happen. And we do get kind of treated, considering how low budget this film is, we do get treated to, you know, zombies walking across Brooklyn Bridge at the end. So we don't necessarily get to see the massive apocalypse throughout London, uh, sorry, throughout the, you know, the city of New York, but we do get to see that that has actually happened, which is something I reckon is, was a massive missed opportunity in Apocalypse. Definitely, um, So this is just great because even though we don't really get to see the full extent of it in New York, on this island, Matul is a fucking bloodbath. It's, isn't there so much zombie action that it's amazing? The last 30 minutes is just people fighting zombies, getting bit and blowing them to pieces, setting them on fire. Oh, it's just fucking great. So what did you think? Because you said you hadn't seen this for about 10 years. Um, yeah. and, you, and that, obviously, you weren't as impressed with what I clearly am then. How do you feel about it now? Um, well, it was, it was interesting coming back because I, I think you'd said... I think sometimes when I speak about this movie on shows, I'm very dismissive of it. Okay. Um, just because I tend to focus... When Fulci's name gets mentioned, I tend to so clearly focus on the ones that I think are just like, you know, masterpieces of cinema, um, even though we're still mentioning them and the name Fulci. Uh, but, you know, I'll, I'll always mention the beyond. I'll always mention something like Don't Torture a Duckling. I'll always, you know, kind of focus on these specific movies that sometimes I think that the impression comes across that I don't like zombie flesh eaters. And that's... that. I, I, I think my opinion 10 years ago was whilst I thought it was so ahead of its time, it influences pretty much all those, all the way zombies will be portrayed in movies after the fact. I mean, people are looking to just very much similar to how Night of the Living Dead comes out and then that kind of redefines how the zombie genre goes. This kind of is the same. The way that Fulci deals with zombies, the, 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 the kind of maggot, worm-infested gory, greasy, slimy kind of corpses and that starts to permeate through other films after this point. I think he's very oh, much yeah. ahead of his time. Uh, my issue before was that I didn't think the story was great. I, and I've always I've, I've always been of that opinion that I thought the zombie flesh eater story was a bit naff. And then when you watch City of the Living Dead, there's a narrative there that I can really get behind it. And when you watch The Beyond, there's a narrative there that I really cling on to. And it's almost as if Zombie Flesh Eaters is him kind of putting out a test and then going, right, that kind of works on these levels, right? But I didn't really like this. So the next movie I'm going to do, I'm going to add a religious element more so. So like in this one, it's voodoo. And yeah. the next movie, it's a priest killing himself, which creates a curse. Uh, you yeah. know, in the movie after that, it's literally a gate to hell. So you know, he's building, he's building on these ideas to kind of define what is bringing forth the 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 dead back to life. Um, and watching it back this time, the story didn't annoy me as much as previous. There was there were certain aspects I genuinely couldn't really remember about this movie. Um, yeah. I couldn't remember the full detail about how Voodoo was involved. I'd forgotten pretty much mostly about the doctor that works on the island. His character, when I saw him, I was like, oh, fuck, that's right, you're the doctor. Right, that makes more sense. Um, mm. There are still elements of the story which 
kind of annoy me and I do feel genuinely slow down the tempo of this movie. Uh, yeah. I think you could probably cut 10 minutes out this movie and it would be arguably one of the best zombie movies ever made. Um, yeah. I totally agree. The shark sequence is awesome. It's fucking amazing. I can see why Fulci didn't want it in the movie because it doesn't really relate to... Right, there's a zombie in it, but it kind of feels... <sighs> I don't know, it kind of feels a bit forced because we're given with this scenario where you know, we're desperate to find this island because we need to find out what happened to our dead dad and you know we're going to chart these people but we don't have charts that show where this island is and potentially we could get lost and we're out there for weeks. Now is the time we're going to stop and go scuba diving. And I know that they're on their <laughs> oh, yeah, holiday, yeah. you know what I mean? I know they're on their holiday and that's what they're out to do is take photographs of underwater life and all the rest. But I'm kind of thinking once you drop these people off at the island, you then have time to do that. Mm. And it just kind of feels like an excuse to put the sequence in. Now, yeah. I love the fucking sequence. I think the sequence is one of the coolest shots in this movie because... It's like you see, this is not an animatronic shark. This is a real fucking shark. And mm. this is a real man, not wearing scuba diving gear, no. underneath the water, interacting with a shark. It looks real. Everything about that sequence looks real. It's incredible. But then I stand back and look from a narrative point of view. Does it add anything to the story or does it slow the story down? And I personally feel it slows it down. Okay. But I like the sequence. <laughs> it's, 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 it's weird. You know, part of me is like that, I need this sequence in my movie. And then the other part is like, does it need to be in the movie? Um, and it's kind of weird. And I feel that that slows it down. There are other sections where it, it kind of feels like, the, like you're right, the last half an hour of this movie is probably the most condensed, dense, action packed zombie action you will see in any movie ever. And hands down, it blows away the competition. Where you have a camera panning and freezing on a frame where over the period it'll fix here for one minute and you will just slowly see zombies come out the ground. It's creepy as fuck. So well done. So well executed for a movie which had a very small budget. Um, The end of the movie as well. I love that idea, that last shot at the Brooklyn Bridge and you just have a horde of zombies walking up but you have cars driving underneath and no one seems panicked I love yeah you know I mean? well they couldn't I, close the uh, they couldn't they, they couldn't, couldn't close, close the bridge, bridge off yeah but I think that's fucking wonderful I think it's really really cool because there's something but it's almost to me it seems like not everyone's aware of it yet that's all that is yeah yeah it's, it's weird fleeing. I love the re- people are trying to abandon the city maybe yeah I, I, I love the idea that you've also got the radio reporter like at the very end talking through that um, you know saying oh, oh, and they're in the building oh my god you know I love that as well that's very ponty pull to me I think that's fucking mm. awesome um, yeah I think it's still not it's still not in my it's still not in my top three Fulci movies uh, okay. I'm glad I went back and watched it. I'll probably watch this again this year I think um, yeah. just because I think there's incredible things done in this movie. I think it is so ahead. But I see that about every Fulci movie, really, is that this movie feels so ahead of its time. Like, when you watch The Beyond, I think The Beyond is so far ahead of its time when you see how people start doing kind of supernatural movies and that, moving into, like, the 90s and things like that, which mm. are clearly influenced by The Beyond. They're clearly influenced by it. Um, yeah. This is the same way. This movie is so ahead of its time, and it's Fulci working with a small budget and use a camera trickery. The, the really bad kind of like zombie makeup in this movie makes the zombies look realistic. It makes yeah, them look Yeah, it makes them look composed. all fucked up and decayed and yeah. 
totally makes and it for some reason it makes it feel realistic than if you watch a, I mean these look like decomposed zombies these are not these don't have the the polish of a, a Greg Nicotero walking dead zombie you know what I mean mm. this is a proper look at, and I love the fact that every single zombie looks different the, none of yeah. them have they have weird colours some come out with purple bits on them and pink bits on them I love the fact that the, the attention to detail like when someone grabs an arm they're peeling the skin off because the skin's dead it would slide yeah, off yeah. the body and there's I that great the, scene like where there's um, there's obviously people from some war from like 400 years ago being buried and they just find a helmet where the guy says, "God, this this helmet's about four hundred years old," yeah. and they and they realise they're in some kind of graveyard, and we don't kind of get to see it. But what it is leading you to believe is that a four hundred year old soldier that's been buried there has has come out the ground at some point and left his helmet behind. You know, it's all these little kind of clues and stuff yeah. that be you know uh, quite early it's on. It's full of it. It's full of it, and it really, really does. It, th- there's a there's an attention to detail, and there's an attention to the storytelling on that island which I completely appreciate. I love the fact that it's voodoo based zombies. I've I've always loved the kind of voodoo based zombie probably even more so than the virus idea which the then kinda permeates through later on. I really like the idea of voodoo. It's one of the reasons like something like a serpent and a rainbow is a movie I could watch over and over again because voodoo genuinely it's like voodoo scares me. <laughs> it's like yeah. a fucking it's yeah. a scary fucking subject matter. And um and the, it's the, underused the as well, I think. You it really see. is. It really is. It was one of those things that popped up every now and again in the the eighties. It was a great way to explain kind of black like gangs in America and action movies. Mm. You watch something like Mark for Death, and you see Stephen Fucking voodoo magic man. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Are you a predator too? You've got like fucking bro. It just goes down that road. I really like that idea and the story. I think it's a really cool use. Of, of something, and I love the fact that they only just touch on it, they don't filch just like that, they go as far as to explain what voodoo is mm. um, which I think is quite cool but from that point onwards they don't feel the need to to keep ramming it, that gets mentioned a couple of times, it's voodoo, you know, to try to study voodoo, you yeah. know, the magic pr- but it's not like, we're not then seeing voodoo ceremonies and, and all the rest, we don't need to, because we know that's why the zombies are there yeah, and yeah, I think I genuinely think this movie's fucking awesome. I really, really, really do. Um, I think it kind of. I, I mean, it was funny because in the Arrow print um, at the beginning of Zombie Flesh Eaters, we get that guy uh, who plays the reporter who's been interviewed, and uh, at the start, he's one of these guys that you know the, the Arrow do that from time to time. They'll yeah. have someone from the cast and introduce it. And this guy said that he'd never seen the movie until recently, and he watched it, and he was just taken away by how how professional it was and how yeah. realistic everything looked and whatnot. And he made yeah. a statement which I kind of disagree with. He said that this movie kind of single handedly saved the Italian film industry yeah it made a lot of money it really people like Argento by 79 were you know household names in horror cinema were yeah. commanding large Suspiria was already out by this point so I mean it was it was commanding huge budgets so I, I don't necessarily agree with that but I would agree that this movie on paper should be shit you know what mm. I mean it's made in 79 it's about zombies with a small budget how many movies, Andy, have we watched 
on the video nasties list thus far that have zombies in them were made in the 70s with a small budget that had been awful. Well, that's the thing. Like with this, the normally with a lot of these films as well that we watch, like the last fifteen minutes sometimes stays, and there's some good action in the last fifteen. Sometimes even like the last ten minutes, you yeah. know, something like a evil speak. All right, it's really shit, but like the last ten minutes is cool. This we get treated to in a ninety-minute movie, thirty minutes of pretty much non-stop zombie action. Yeah. So it's a third of the film because when I was watching it. Like obviously the opening's pretty cool, um, where we go to the you know like they find the body and then we go to the hospital and stuff, and then it kind of tapers off. And I remember thinking like, oh shit, it's actually not as good as I thought it was. And then that last half an hour kicks in, and it's like, no, this is as good as I thought it was. It's we you just have to be a little bit patient to get there, but it's so worth the payoff because for me, like thirty minutes of non-stop zombie fighting and setting on fire and, and violence and then eating people, it, that's fucking that's well worth you know the movie alone. And there are nice little subtle bits all the way through. I mean, like you say, the shark thing—it's totally out of context. It doesn't really fit in the story, but. It's such a, a cool sequence. It's never been done before. You know, it's never been done since. And mm-hmm. it's a completely real shark. It's a real guy holding his breath underwater fighting a shark. Just little cool scenes like that. It's a make... realistic looking fight as well. That I think that's yeah. the thing about it. It's not just a guy holding on to a shark. He mm. is twisting, manipulating the shark. He's moving the shark about the place. He's yep. putting his fake arm inside a shark's mouth so the mm. shark can actually tear it off. It's, you know, I mean, it's so well choreographed. Yeah. And it could be my favourite. I'm, I'm thinking, I'm kind of thinking it loud. The only thing that I think maybe comes near it in terms of underwater sequences is in Inferno, which you'll watch. There's a fantastic underwater sequence in that where it's just so visually fucking stunning yeah um, that it's on par with that and I would always say that Inferno had the best one but coming back and watching this and just seeing it now thinking from an older point of view from a reviewer's point of view how logistically difficult it would have been to do that scene oh god yeah it just blows my mind man I I can't imagine I'm thinking of buying Inferno even though you you? (laughs) you can pick it up for about a fiver though on Amazon Buy it, so I'm thinking, fuck it. If I'm going to watch it, I will need to watch it in its full glory. So I will probably get that. I'm, I'm um, sorry. I'm sorry if you hate it. I really hope you like it. <laughs> <laughs> it's only a fiver, Andy. I'll give you the fiver back. Yeah, exactly. It's nothing, is it? Um, this is something that made me smile actually in this movie um, because I've watched another film. And I actually can't remember what the film was in the last few days. It had the same thing that also made me laugh. And it's one of these things they do in films where there's a dead guy with his eyes uh-huh. open. And they close the person's eyes, which is obviously something that people do. Um, but they don't touch their eyes when they do it. They just yeah. skim the hand over the face, not touching it. And miraculously, like a magic trick, once the hand's moved over the eyes, they're closed. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's one of these things that's done in a lot of movies. Which and, in, and in modern stuff, right, in more modern programs, they literally, you literally see them use like the thumb and the middle finger and close the person's eyes. Whereas that's what you need to do, Andy. <laughs> whereas in this, the guy's hand is about an inch away from the bloke's face. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, ta-da! His eyes are closed. You know that thing where you move your hand up and you're smiling and then you move it down and you're frowning? Yeah. <laughs> so that just made me laugh. That's another one of those things like people crawling through a perfectly clean vent. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, look at you, crawl space. 
<laughs> yeah, we're looking at you, Crawl Space. It happens in Demons as well, because obviously we're watching that for an upcoming uh, review. He's crawling yeah. through a perfectly clean vent, and that's just another one of those funny tropes in films of people closing court, you know, the, the, the eyes of a corpse, so they're not staring, but they don't touch their eyes, and it just makes me laugh. Um, this, for me, I think is probably in the top three best movies on the entire list of 72 Ooh. films. Controversial, controversial. I think. Yeah, uh, obviously we will we'll go through our kind of list of favourites and stuff when we completely finish everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is the one of the ones that I've owned. It's one of the ones that I've owned for a while. I think since it since it got released um, back in two thousand and twelve, I've had this. Um, I've watched it a few times. I've watched it years ago and loved it. Um, yeah, I think it's great. It's probably my top three zombie films of all time as well. Ironically, we just did a on. Um on the Midnight Horror Show, we did a top 20, uh, top 20 zombie movies list. And yeah. um, this came in at number 19 for me, I think. Um, okay. Just because I hadn't seen it in years. And like I say, it always comes back to this idea that I always remembered that I didn't really like the story. Actually, mm. that was the one thing that stuck out for me was I couldn't remember necessarily characters. I could remember the kills. I love the kills, but I always come back to this idea of I don't like the story. And I, I yeah. don't know why I always come back to that. Um, in hindsight, I would probably have moved it into my top ten. I don't necessarily think it would have been my top five, no. uh, just because my top five is is just like ridiculously packed, like yeah. with movies which I have like a firm favourites of mine. But I think yeah. coming back to watching it again, the appreciation level for this movie is a, a lot greater. Um, I think the story's better than I necessarily give it credit for. I don't think it's a bad story. Um, like I say, I just find later Fulci zombie movies to have better stories. So it's not okay. as if it's a bad story, it's just yeah. the stories that come afterwards I think are better. Um, I think it's, I do genuinely think this movie is pretty phenomenal. Um, I, like I watched it, I think we both watched it about the same time this morning before we started recording, which meant we both started watching it sometime about 8 in the morning. <laughs> it's, it's a great way to start your Sunday. I got up bright and early. <laughs> And they're sat eating breakfast, watching zombie flesh eaters. It's yeah, I was watching. I was I was eating a a, a yogurt combination with uh, some granola in it, nice. uh, and it was like a it's like a strawberry yogurt, so it kind of looked pink and mushy. Yeah, and right. yeah, I was like, yes, yeah, this kind of looks like someone had smeared it on someone's face and then kind of hair dried it to, to, to oh. effect. Because that zombie looks like he's got like. Granola and yogurt on his face. Yeah, yeah, he does. He does a wee bit. It wouldn't surprise me if that was that was uh, the approach Fulci took. But yeah, I think it's just. I think it's wonderful. I think it's a really, really good movie. I think that this is probably going to be the best week of movies. If you remove the middle one, I don't think there are many shows coming up. There are one or two actually that have. There's some to, great movies, but not yeah. not. I don't. Know, there's more than one in each episode, is there? Yeah, this one has two outstanding movies on this one, and these neither one of these movies is doing something for like over the top shock value. You know what I mean? There's there's no there's no cannibal holocaust. Let's kill some animals to to, to get this point. There's no last on the last house on the left. You know, rape sort of stuff going on in this movie. These movies are just badass fucking horror movies. They just yeah, play yeah. to that. They just take a kind of predefined structure and just like turn them they crank up to eleven so much in mm. both Tenebrae and this. And they're just a blast to watch. I think that's the thing. They're fun 
to watch because you you with Tenebrae you've got a killer going around killing people and blood being sprayed across the walls and yeah. you know, really wonderful shots. And this movie, you get what you want if you want to watch a zombie movie. Like Andy mm. says, you get legitimately 30 minutes of non-stop zombie action at the end of this movie. And it just keeps escalating and it's relentless like the zombies. Um, you get that in this film as well. So, I mean, if you have been watching these movies along with us or... Checking them out on the links that I posted on the page this week. You are welcome. We have just given you just two fantastic movies to watch this week. It's fucking brilliant. Uh, how would you uh, how would you grade this one, sir? Uh, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> given everything we've just said, uh, you know, I, I want to go. Yeah, fucking get it on the list and and give it hard time and that. But I don't think I really I don't think it really should have been on the list because it's like you say none of the stuff that we've said should make something go on the list. Yeah. They're in there, really. Um, there's not really any rape. The gore is all kind of over-the-top and zombified gore. You know, it's it's not anything particularly disturbing. Uh, the uh, eye on the splinter thing, you know, being pulled onto the splinter thing is great. And if you've got a problem with eye violence, which I know is quite a well-known thing, isn't it? You can actually mm-hmm. Google... And there's a list of films that contain eye violence on Wikipedia, specifically yeah. for people. You know, it's, it's, it's a known thing that people cringe at the thought of eye violence. I'm not really one of them. Um, so, I, yeah, I don't think it should have been on the list, um, as awesome as it is. What grade do I give it? Um, I don't know. That I, I think I can only really give it a slap on the wrist. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I want to give it more because I almost think the film deserves more, but it, it isn't, you know, it's just like you say, it's just a fantastic horror film, but it's not anything worthy of, of, of obscenity. You know, it is just, it's just a fucking good film. So it shouldn't be on the list. I'm only going to give it a slap on the wrist for some incredibly good gore. Um, but as far as the film goes, I love it. It's awesome check it out yeah. definitely you know so and you can still pick it up pretty cheap it's one of those ones on arrow that never really sold out i think they've still got copies and you can pick it up for about 11 quid fully uncut two disc versions you get a poster and a booklet and all sorts of shit so yeah it's, it's great i think it's region free as well so for our american listeners if you've not got the blue underground the, this one is region free so uh yeah i reckon i can't, can't recommend it enough what do you think yeah. in the same yeah, definitely. I'm coming in exactly. It's to me, it's just like Tenebrae. Um, I think it didn't deserve to be on the list. Um, and yeah, it's a slap on the wrists. I mean, if we were properly reviewing these movies, the grading would be. I think both these movies would score high. Yeah. But in the context of what we do on this show, because they're they're scoring low, it just means that we we're not finding anything in them at all which we think would merit them being considered offensive and mm. necessarily be put on the list. Um I do yeah. have I have the Arrow Blu-ray as well, but what I really want and um I'm gonna have to justify the purchase as I really want the steel the steel book, which is like uh, and it did that. sell out. And it's like yeah. you're getting pre owned for like forty quid and I have to justify that purchase. Um just because I want, I want it in my collection. I really want it in my collection. So and Graham nice, Humphreys did the artwork as well, which yeah. is pretty cool. 
It's good. I mean, it's the same artwork that's on the normal Blu-ray, but the fact that like embossed in this steel case, it, it looks fucking great because it's double-sided, obviously, as well, isn't it? It kind of wraps all the way around. Uh, yeah, I'm with you on that. It's one of them ones where I see it sometimes for 70, 80 quid new and yes. just think, oh, I just can't, I can't do it. I just can't do it. Uh, it's one of them ones like when it came out, it would have been about nineteen ninety nine, and should have got it at the time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Shoulda, woulda, coulda, and we, we, we shoulda, passed woulda, out coulda. on that one. And, well, one day, yeah. one day, someone will make a mistake, and I'll I'll pick it up like I did Dawn of the Dead for 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 reasonably cheap money. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think doesn't know what they've got. Yeah, I think as I think this is probably. I mean, we're going to take a short break shortly here, and then come back and close out the episode. I think it feels fitting that we close out the prosecuting list on zombie flesh eaters, which is arguably one of the best movies um, we've discussed thus far. So it kind of feels nice to put that full stop there, and it kind of feels yeah. awesome that the next chapter starts off with what I would argue is Filchie's best movie. Um, which is pretty fucking cool. It's like it's just it's just spoiling you with the, the awesomeness of Fulci. Um Yeah. So yeah. Also, uh, also Arrow Blu-rays that we've got as well of those to watch. Yeah, and I've, I've got the steel book as well for that one. I made sure I lock that one quick. <laughs> I was like, yeah, really. take that steel book. <laughs> so uh, we're going to take a short break just now. When we return, we're closing out episode number thirteen of Doing the Nasty. We are going to be right back after this. Well, Gary, here we are. Somehow uh, we made it through here. What? Where? Uh, we're, we're in the sequel, of course. Sequel? What sequel? Well, Sloppy Seconds, the movie sequel podcast. Come on, get with it. Oh, that's right. Our podcast is exclusively about sequels, where the budget is well, bigger. We don't actually have a budget. Get away from her, you bitch! But the action's more exciting? Uh, I don't know much about action. Hey, you got a like it to him, man. Allow me, scum. The babes are hotter? Wait, there's babes involved? How about some of this? So tasty and hard and firm, and it just melts in your mouth. The kills get gorier and more extreme? Uh, kills? Did we talk about this? Uh, never mind. So find Sloppy Seconds, the movie sequel podcast, exclusively on the Horrorfilia Network. Because when all other podcasts are through, we're already thinking about part two. And welcome back. So you've been listening to Doing the Nasty, episode number 13, where we have reviewed Tenebrae, The Werewolf, and The Yeti, and finally, Zombie Flesh Eaters. Um, we have now officially finished our prosecuted list. That's it done, gone... Um, finished, finito, um, and it's been it's been an interesting ride. And as Andy said, what we'll do is we will come back at the end of the non-prosecuted list, and I think we'll just do a series of. I think we do it like I, the more I'm thinking about it now, I love these ideas that happen during podcasts because my brain just keeps playing through them. I think what we do is we make it quite interactive. So what we'll do is we will both list our top five favorite. Movies from yep. the overall nasty list. We'll list our top five least favorite. We will do a uh, if we were doing a a list, a definitive list of ten movies on a video nasty list now. What would those movies be? 
And mm. I think we also maybe open it up to listeners, so listeners can uh, give us some questions about the the video nasties, what we've watched, uh, specific questions. If we've mentioned anything during the shows, which you want us to go into more detail about, or if you just want to ask us stuff, we'll include that in it. And we will, our last show, the final show of doing the nasty, uh, will be just a summary of all things nasty. I can't, I can't mm-hmm. fucking wait. Would you be down with that, yeah. Andy? Awesome, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Yeah. So, so what? Um, what movies do we kick off our non-prosecuted list with? What, what, what are we doing? Right, we've got The Beyond. And we'll see which, like you say, is your favourite Fulci movie. Mine is probably Zombie Flesh Eaters, but I haven't watched The Beyond in a while, so you never know. Mm. This might change. Um, the, the Boogeyman. Uh, <laughs> I think, has that recently been released on 88 films? Yes, I was actually, te- I'm quite tempted to buy it, actually, because you can okay. get it now for like about eight quid. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then Cannibal Terror, which probably isn't Cannibal Terror. It's probably got nine. It might not even have cannibals in it, and there's probably not much terror. So we'll see. Um, <laughs> we shall see on that. But I'm certainly looking forward to the to watching the Beyond again. I don't think I've watched that on Blu-ray. I'm not sure. I think I might have done, but I've not seen it for a while. So really looking forward to breaking that one out again. And I haven't seen the other two. Um, I keep seeing that bogeyman thing turn up in my Amazon that, you know, if you, if you've bought this, you might like this. Yeah. Um, never heard of cannibal terror. I think that's the thing with this second list. There's going to be some that you've definitely heard of. Um, and then there's going to be some where you've literally never heard of. And probably the reason you've never heard of them is because they're shit. Uh, but don't let that put you off you know have a listen there might be some gems in there and I really hope there is um, there's been a couple in the prosecuted list that I'd never heard of and watched them I thought yeah that's you know that's well worth getting um, mm-hmm. Absurd is one that I'm going to you know yeah. the collection um, what was that one that we got uh, Don't Don't Go in the Woods it was just pure entertaining. There was a great release of that by 88 Films, so there's that one. Yeah, yeah, um, I've still to watch my, because you bought me the, the blue of that, and I've still to watch it, but yeah, that the, movie was fucking fun as fuck. Yeah. Um, a couple more don't movies. We've got Don't Go in the World, uh, Don't Go in the House, Don't Go in the Park, Don't Look in the Basement. So we've got those coming up in episode uh, 16 and 17. Mm-hmm. So it's certainly worth hanging around for the non-prosecuted shows. Um I'm looking forward to watching a few of these. It's this has been a bit tedious, hasn't it? Some of the things, um, but then a show like tonight, yeah. it kind of makes it all worth working through because, like you say, two of the best films on the list on the same episode. Um, so it's been a pleasure to kind of sit through these three. Well, two of them at least, anyway. <laughs> yeah, I think that's. I think you the nail completely on the head there. I think the the, the issue I I found with some of the 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 non sorry the prosecuted list should I say um is that I feel that because we've done them alphabetically we have been spoiled some weeks. I mean if, had we done it differently we could have always picked a really good movie. I think there's definitely thirteen really good movies on the or like powerful movies or controversial yeah, movies yeah, on on the on the prosecuted list that we could have picked one for each episode and then put the, the shit around it. But I kinda feel yeah. like Doing it the way we we have done it has been pretty cool because we've we've worked through it in such a way that it just so happens that some weeks it's us just scratching our heads wondering how the fuck 
you know, these movies, one got made and two ended up on the list, but then other weeks you've been spoiled by, we had an all cannibal episode, you know, we've had this episode, we've had episodes where yep. at the end of it we've, we've been, we've needed that kind of really goofy, awful movie at the end just to lighten the tone of, mm. of like, complete seriousness, and I think that's, has been killing the non-prosecuted list. I'm like you. I'm I'm looking forward to catching movies on that list I've never seen before, and very much like we did with Absurd, sitting here and just going, "How have we not fucking heard of this movie? It's fucking amazing. Yeah. Where can I buy well, that's it? it?" Because thing is, I don't think it, it necessarily means there's going to be any less quality in some of the films just because they're on the non-prosecuted. Because we've got to bear in mind, none of these films should have been on the well hardly any of these films should have been on the list so yeah. the fact that there's a non-prosecuted i don't think that necessarily means a diminishing in quality I, you know i just think it means a bunch of morons just didn't necessarily think that was any worse or more worse than you know anything else so yeah there could be some really good ones in there so i'm looking forward to checking them out yeah definitely definitely so we will be back in two weeks time uh, and we will be discussing um the movies that Andy mentioned. I'm really looking forward to this. I've never, I've never seen Cannibal Terror. Um, I've never seen uh, the, the Boogeyman. Um, but I will be. I probably will when this show finishes. I'll probably buy it. <laughs> um, and yeah, the Beyond is like Andy said. It's my my favourite Fulci movie. So we'll have plenty yeah. to discuss. Um, and we'll be changing our grading system slightly. So it'll be the same yeah. grades of uh, Case Dismissed, Slap on the Wrist, Community Service and Hard Time uh, with the caveat that our second rev- uh, review rating, which uh, should it be on the list, uh, now becomes should it have been on the list? You know, c- Could this movie have been in place of one of the movies on the prosecuted list? Um, and I get the yeah. feeling that that's going to be yes for a couple of these ones, just because some of the ones on the prosecuted list are shit. But yeah, so I, I'm really looking forward to that. Remember, as always, you can check out my show, the podcast Under the Stairs, over at podcastunderthestairs.wordpress.com. You can check me out on iTunes and Stitcher Smart Radio. I'm a proud member of the Legion Podcast Network. You can check out Andy's show, The Big Horror and Little Podcast, exclusively on Legion Podcast Network. Now that you've returned from holiday, are you are you eyeing up a, a, a new show? Yeah, we've actually got something different that we're thinking of doing as well. I'll tell you off air, actually. But oh. uh, yeah, there is uh, something slightly different coming up which uh, might interest some people, but we'll announce it a bit closer to the time because we've got things to watch before we start doing that. So, Ooh, yeah, we'll keep got, you you've posted. Gotten, <laughs> you've been cryptic as well. I love that. It's, I, I, I yeah. do the same when people, I'm like that. There are big things coming and then people are like, I've what are the big things coming. I'm like, I'm not telling you. <laughs> Puny, <laughs> I'll, tell you. I'll, t- I'll tell you in a minute. All right, cool. Um, so there you you're just gonna have to keep your eyes open for what Andy's announcement is. Uh, I'm gonna plug them again here. I still have some posters for the podcast under the stairs, designed by the wonderfully talented Graham Humphreys. Um, if you are interested in a poster and live in the UK, it's twelve pound fifty, including postage and packaging. If you live in the states, it's twenty three dollars. That includes your postage and packaging. They have been shipped all around the world so far, and I've been getting loads of pictures back of people putting them up in interesting places uh, my favourite one at the moment Jerry Esposito um, has put his one up in his work booth um, so he has all these lovely 
shots of Paris from his holidays vacation uh, and then you turn around and you see Baz cowering in the background like a scared bitch uh, which is pretty <laughs> awesome <laughs> uh, so yeah so if you're interested in them you can send an email to podcastunderthestairs at gmail.com with the, the subject header poster or drop me a line on the on the page here or send me a private message and uh, oh, we'll see if we can hook you up with one uh, Andy bought one didn't you it's awesome, yeah. It's great. I'm uh, going to put it in the gym. I just need to get it put on some kind of like card backing sort mm-hmm. of. I don't know what you call that when you <laughs> stick it to card. I don't know. Um, yeah, and then that's going up in my gym next to my Arnold Schwarzenegger and my Rambo paintings. <laughs> so, it's like muscles. Good company there, don't yeah. yeah. <laughs> muscles, muscles, podcasters. Um, I like it. <laughs> I like it. Cool. Uh, it depends where we're going to be positioned. We might actually be like the werewolf and the yeti, a shit filling in a, a gold plate sandwich. <laughs> Debris. <know>. Debris. <laughs> Debris. <laughs> depends how you look at it. Um, but yeah, so we will speak to you guys in two weeks' time for episode number 14, kicking off the non-prosecuted list. Thanks again for all the support. You guys have been awesome. The page, Facebook page has been great. If you're not over there, join the Facebook page. Um, And we will speak to you in two weeks' time. Andy, would you like to say goodbye to our listeners, please? Bye. Bye. Ah. They were called nasties and they were nasty. Some of the things that we've seen are so horrific. These films not only affect young people, but I believe they affect adults as well. An extravaganza of gory violence, capable of depraving and corrupting those who watched it. I have never seen the video, mister. I wouldn't. I actually don't need to see what I know is in that film.